Episode 139. Should we let everybody know what we were talking about before we started the recording? <laughs> well, I, I was thinking, do people know? But then I, she's syndicated everywhere, right? I don't know. Delilah. Yes. How did we get on the topic of Delilah before we started to record? Do you Delilah. have any idea? Delilah. Yeah. How everybody did... in our audience knows who Delilah is, no? Yeah, I think so. Now do you I... have to describe who Delilah is? Well, she does a, a like a... An, a... What's it called? Uh, what did Casey Casey? Dedication? Yeah, dedication type show, okay, right? Okay. Essentially yeah. at night. Yeah, yeah. And I think she's on like a Soft million love markets. songs, right? Yeah. And she talks really softly, right? She talks kind of like this. It's yeah. very sweet. How did you know Delilah? Should I have known Delilah? She was in our build. Well, she she was she worked out of our building, but I think she really. But I think she was like on our floor, our building building. I think she worked from home though. She was like ahead of her oh. time. She was like everyone's oh. working from home. She was she built like this enormous mansion across the water. Yeah, and would do some lines. She I, yeah, she had a great gig. Put it that way. She had so much stuff in the can. And she would come on the T Man show, <laughs> Delilah. <laughs> well, I found out that that she was coming out of our building. Yeah. So I found all of her pre canned. Things that she recorded. You can't play those. Well, we did. We used to play them on the air and goof Could on you have them. gotten in trouble? It's the same company. We're going to yell at T-Man? Before, you mean before she played them, you'd play them on your show? But I think she you just... beat her to the punch of her own show? Well, there were so many. I think she just recycles them all the time. And she found time. out. Yeah, she found out. Yeah, someone told she her, She wouldn't be a normal listener of the T-Man show. Probably I, not. I don't know. I don't know if she was, but... But um, she found out and she liked it. She was very cool about it and she came into the studio. Yeah, she was a good sport and she came in. She uh, brought gifts, bought new like Sony <laughs> headphones for everybody. Wow. Like uh, She's totally loaded, I guess, because she's like insanely successful and she came in and she has like tattoos Delilah. and you wouldn't think she had like tattoos. No. Yeah, Delilah has Delilah tattoos. Delilah does oh, not have tattoos. Tattoos, yeah. Don't tell me that. And she was like ripping on her her, her listeners a little bit. Like, Oh, really? On the show live or like Yeah, on the, the show. I actually oh, couldn't God. believe it. It was pretty funny. Like if I have to play one more goddamn song for somebody whose <laughs> husband's overseas in the military, I'm going to kill myself. Delilah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Had tattoos? Yep, tattoos. Yeah, I mean a few. She's not like sleeved, but yeah, she had tattoo. I, I didn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. I'm pulling my leg. And by this the way, all a joke. You remember that for a while there at weddings, making a wedding CD was kind of a thing. Like you go to a wedding and you get a CD yeah. of like fifteen songs that are special yeah. to the couple or whatever. Yeah, so right. I, I did one of those, of course. Like at the party, you'd play it at the party, or no, it'd be like a, like a parting gift, like a reception oh. gift. Oh, you'd get a CD to take home yeah, back when CDs were a thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I, I wrote like we didn't hand those out. <laughs> well, it was the biggest pain in the ass to get them done. I don't me. think anybody would have wanted my musical. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't know that anyone wanted ours either. It's just songs that are kind of cool to us. And so I wrote like 15 lines to put in between the songs for her. Because I was thinking, if I'm going to do a cheesy CD, who's the queen of it, right? I mean, who's Delilah? Of course. And you know her. I didn't. And I she thinks you're cool. Well, I knew her producer. And so I just handed them to him. If, if there's any way you can get her to read these, I'd be so a couple days later, there they are. There Just they are. knocked them all out for me. They loved you. I couldn't believe it. It was so nice of her. Anyway, she's cool. She's really cool. We should probably get her is on. She, is she still working? Does she still do the the the, the love songs with Delilah or I not? I don't know why we she would find that. quit that gig. It's like the greatest job. Okay. She just works from home yeah. and the show's in the cage. Totally. Let's get her on. All right. I'm, Let's get Delilah on Mitch Unfiltered. It'd be, uh, Delilah Unfiltered. <laughs> she, she would be fun. I, th I think you would actually like it. I mean, you would like her. We should start the tease section of 139. Oh, yeah. That would be nice at some point, huh? My first question is, did she do it? Did Piper <laughs> succeed in the Uncle Mitch challenge? Wintergreen oh, Lifesavers. It's still in my bag. I completely forgot. It's still in my bag. 
I told you I wanted you to give her <laughs> a winter green, or they, as they call it, winto green. Yes. Winto green lifesaver and see if she could, she could not bite it ever. Let it disintegrate all the way in her mouth. Well, I'm, I'm going to see her. And you and never then, did it. You never issued her the challenge. And she's with a friend tonight, so I'll have two, and I'll see so if they you can blew, both do it. Episode 139 is now done. <laughs> okay, see you later. We've got Delilah, but no wintergreen. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, episode 139 is like the previous 138. It's available on every major podcast platform, Hotshot. Yep. Just click the little subscribe button, and it'll be delivered right to your phone Every single Monday. You have it you have it come right to your phone, right? Yes, sir. Do you get a notification that the new unfiltered has arrived? Yeah. Sometimes I do. Yeah. And sometimes I don't. And people complain about that. They don't get their notifications from Apple. Sometimes it says, Hey, the new Mitch Unfiltered episode has been dropped and has been released and is available to you. I, I think you have to see it at that time though, don't you? I mean I don't if, know. if you're not looking at your phone, you won't see it, I, I guess. Don't I don't know. Anyway, smash that subscribe button as they say on YouTube. Smash it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll get every Monday show automatically delivered to your phone. Yep. Let me tell you what you won't get, Hotshot. Okay. You won't get Hotshot's fabulous music profile pods. Right. You won't get the P shows, the Thursday patron shows, where we do a full show and we release it every Thursday. You won't get my golf tip shows, mm. which are going to resume here shortly now that golf season is upon us. Nice. You don't get any of that unless you're a patron. You need to be a patron for $5 a month, MitchUnfiltered.com. That's my spiel. Become a patron. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. And for $5 a month, you get all the other programming besides the Monday show. Did you ever hear from Dan, the patron, who I thought I met last week at the no. softball game? Was I supposed to? No, but I never heard. I thought I, maybe I was I'd... hiding all week, so I don't oh, know. Oh, you were hiding. I was under the desk. <laughs> I want to know how his piper's doing. What's different than any other week? Dan's the, the, the father of the other piper. That's right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought maybe, well, maybe he doesn't listen to the show. Maybe he's behind. I, have I don't no know. Idea. All right. There maybe you go. he would reach out to you. I thought maybe I'd hear something, but no, I didn't something. hear anything. Yeah. Also, take a minute to rate and review us. On yes. Apple Podcasts page, when you do that, one to five stars, hopefully five stars, it really does help. Our rating kind of boosts the show hmm. for a lot of different reasons, a lot of algorithms, whatever. Like the last rating we got was from Savage Snafflehound. Okay, here we go. Five stars. Okay, good. Sports, a steady helping of entertainment and more. The sports banner between Mitch and Hotshot is fun and unpretentious, he says. I don't know what that means. Uh, always <laughs> a surprise know. when Mitch has lined Always a surprise what Mitch has lined up for his interviews as well. Hmm. I love the interview with Jim Moore. He was always my favorite part of the afternoon show on 710. And hopefully they bring him back for more stories. So we are, we are fun and we are unpretentious. So I looked up unpretentious, Hotshot, and here's what it says on dictionary.com. Okay. Which is the source. Sure. Oh, yeah. That's right. Right, right, right there with Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. Not attempting to impress others with an appearance of greater importance, talent, or culture than is actually possessed. Well, that's bullshit. I'm always trying to impress people <laughs> with what I don't have. <laughs> that makes me, that definition makes me the most pretentious. That's exactly right. <laughs> Same year. I don't know what he's talking so about. I got to say to Savage Snafflehound, <laughs> right. you don't know us very no, well. No, he sure doesn't. But we'll take the unpretentious compliment. Yes, we will. And the five stars. Thank you. Here's an email, Mitch. I'm going through my work day listening to 138P, and you guys got on the subject of mushrooms once again. <laughs> did we talk about 138P? Yeah, we did the taste test. Was well, that 138P that we did the taste test? Was that 138? I think it was 138. But I also had a story about houses are now lining the insides of the yes, walls with did. mushrooms yeah, as well. Yeah. I have one simple but important question, 
says Billy driving around Seattle. Have you ever had the sautéed mushrooms at Daniel's, your sponsor? Mushrooms are not my favorite thing, and I don't go out of my way to eat them. But those I could not stop eating. Huh. They're served in a garlic herb butter and are just so good. I know you're going to say no, but I'm here to tell you that it's imperative that you try at least a bite of Daniel's mushrooms. And we're going to Daniel's for Mother's Day, and I will absolutely not go anywhere <laughs> near their sautéed, sautéed mushrooms. I almost don't like. I almost don't like what he's doing here. He's he's trying to kind of force your hand by bringing a sponsor. There is no in. way. I don't give a rat's ass if they're a sponsor. <laughs> Daniel's. Gets I don't it. care how good Dan. I'm sure Daniel's mushrooms are better than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Did you see my face on that video when I was eating the mushrooms? I saw half when of Max it. got the SAT score, it was awful. Yeah. Okay. I, it was Do you bad. think that the person with that face that you saw <laughs> is going to on Mother's Day eat the sautéed mushrooms at Daniel's Broiler? Order them and eat them. Yes or no? I don't. I don't think it's about the sauce that they come no. in. I don't think it has much to do with it, guy. Sorry, it's not about the butter and the garlic. Hello, Mitch. <laughs> this emailer says that Richard guy inspired me. You know who the Richard guy is? Richard Gould. Gould? Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh no. Why do you do it, Mitch? Seriously, how many people need to tell you that they don't give two shits? about your non-sports interviews before you just keep to what you do well, which is sports. You're wasting your time with Bernie Madoff interviews, one shining moment interviews, stupid Geico commercial people, and so on and so on. I just don't get it, Mitch. Is there something I'm missing? Do your sponsors insist that you veer away from sports? Maybe it's a sponsor's thing. Yeah. That and insisting I eat their mushrooms. Right. There must be a reasonable explanation. Josh from Fife, now living in Sacramento, wants to know. Okay. Why do we keep doing the non-sports when everybody, according to Josh, has told us and voiced their opinion, we're wasting our time and nobody cares? What? Don't say we. Don't bring me into this now. <laughs> we? He was asking about you. No, no, no. Yeah, not, not you. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah you. We, yeah, I say Why? we show. Yeah. Why? Well, you tell me. I can't wait for this explanation. It's going to be great. Go ahead. Why? Why? Why do you continue to do that? I think that some people like them. <laughs> Is that a terrible reason? I guess that's I, I, Josh says nobody likes them, and it's oh. very obvious from the emailers and the listeners that nobody likes that stuff. Keep it to sports. Stop doing the nonsense is what he says. I actually, A, very much enjoyed doing those interviews. So yeah. maybe, it's, maybe it's just for me, therapy for me. But I thought, I, and I get emails all the time from people who say they like when we veer off sports. So what's, how does Josh from Fife know that nobody likes the non-sports interview? Yeah, how does he know that? He doesn't how know every know one that? of our listeners. Does he know every one of our? Yeah. It, you, could, you could. It's not that big of a <laughs> He's have a party and have them all over, I guess. In a very small apartment. <laughs> right. Guests on this episode 139, I don't know how to promote our first guest or how to announce it. It's, it's a little bit sticky because I don't want to give anything away. Okay. The guy's name, our first guest, guest number one, is Dylan McCullough. Okay. Have you ever heard that name before? You probably have. I haven't. Unless no. you saw a special about him on a TV show, like a documentary, you would not know that name. I did not know that name. Okay. I was actually informed by Max hmm. at UW, my son, who said, look into the Dylan McCullough story. Sounds like a perfect guest for your podcast. I looked into it and I was like, oh my God. Perfect. Oh, my God. Perfect. But I can't tell you why. Oh. 
He's the assistant head football coach at Indiana, I can tell you that. He's a former running back great at the University of Miami of Ohio, I can tell you that. And he's got, how do I put this without doing too much? He's got one of the most moving, surprising life stories and twists you'll ever hear about. Huh. And it even has a little bit of a Northwest Seattle connection. Okay. All right. Now, see, this is what I would want to ask that last emailer about sports versus non-sports. Oh, see, I don't know. Is this count as sports well, or not? That's what oh. I would like to like, – oh. would he enjoy this just oh, no. because the guy played football or well, coaches football? Well, I think Bernie Madoff played t-ball when he was a kid. <laughs> exactly. Like, wait, <laughs> that counts. Where does it end? Like, I know. I once watched a football game. The one shining moment guy was a hell of a high school basketball player in 1927. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it works. Right. So where, what's the cutoff for the sports non-sports? Yeah. I don't know. Well, this story – is a little bit about sports, but it's really about an adopted baby. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. And I'm thinking that there might be somebody in our audience hearing us right now that says, oh, I know. I saw it. Because there have been stories and specials done about this. Okay. I don't know what percentage of our audience has actually seen them. Let me just say that if you're a sucker for a great life story, you got to stay with it. Okay. Because there's a... (laughs) I don't know how to say it any other way. You got to listen to the interview and stay with the interview because there's a payoff is all I'm saying. There's a payoff to the interview. Okay. Well, people have already downloaded it. They're already, uh, what do we care at this point? They've already downloaded it for us. You know, no, I just, I just want to say, (laughs) okay, just want to say, I can't wait, but it's not, it's not truly about sports, but it does have a Seattle Seahawk connection. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, Interview number two, uh, Seahawks no table. I figured it's draft week. Everybody loves the NFL draft. Yep. The Seahawks are picking not once, not twice, but three whole times. In the, I, I saw, by the way, where the second fewest amount of picks is six. Oh. So nobody's got five, nobody's got four, and the Seahawks have three. Well, for now, as for we now, record As yes. we record this, right. So with the draft being this week, I thought I'd get the boys together, Brady Henderson, Joe Fan, and we'll, we'll hash out on a Seahawks note table What's happened in the offseason so far? What hasn't happened? And what to expect from this week's NFL draft with the Seahawks? And then Corey Brock, the Athletics Mariners insider. The, the Mariners are winning games. Yeah. I ne- oh, the Mariners are winning baseball games. Okay, you have to help me understand this. If the season ended today. <laughs> They're a half game out of first as we record, right? I mean, okay, how come every time I yeah. see that the Mariners get off to a hot start, I always yeah. hear, that's ah, smoke and mirrors and... Because it always is. But is there a chance? You've been living this for 30 years. Is there a chance they could be good? Or is there no chance? Why does it always? There's a small chance. But but the the answer to your question is the reason people say it's smoke and mirrors is they will say that until one year it's not smoke and mirrors. See, that's (laughs) the way that works. Gotcha. All right. As soon as we get to a a, a finish line and we say, hey, there were no smoke. Yeah. And there were no mirrors and there was no David Copperfield. Then <laughs> yes. maybe in future years, we won't say after hot starts that it's smoke and mirrors. We are entitled. We are the most entitled <laughs> fan base yeah. in all of professional sports to accuse hot starts of being because of smoke and mirrors. No one is more entitled than the Mariners <laughs> to accuse them of that until they actually do something that's not magic. But it feels like more than that, though. It feels like no, it doesn't. Like baseball experts look at the lineup and say they might be winning, but they don't have what it takes to make they the playoffs. They don't have what it takes. Oh, they don't. Okay, that, that's what I'm asking. I don't think. So they're, they're not a good team. They just happen to win I some games. I don't know. Maybe they're okay. Wait, is your best player back yet? Is he, has he played yet? 
Who are we talking uh, about? Kyle Lewis? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's back. He's back. Okay. Yeah, well, he's maybe back. that'll help and they'll be a legit team. Some young guys are coming, but... Well, I mean, I'm excited about him, but I just people so the like their crap on my parade all so the time. So the question for Corey Brock in segment number three of the interviews is, is it real? Yeah. Are they real and spectacular? You know where that's from? Real and spectacular. They're real and they're spectacular. I don't. Mm. I should know this. See, there's the hole in your... In, your, in, your, <laughs> in my sports game? No, not your oh. sports game. In your... In your um, Broadway musical game? In your TV game. Oh, it's a famous Seinfeld show. Oh, yeah, see. They're real and they're spectacular. If it's Seinfeld, I'm out. Terry much. Hatcher, do you know who Terry Hatcher is? Sure, yeah, yeah. She played the role of a of a girlfriend of Jerry Seinfeld, and they were trying to figure out the whole show whether they're real. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she says at the end, and by the, as she breaks up with him, yeah. by the way, they're real and they're spectacular. <laughs> as she breaks up with him? As she breaks oh, that's up nice. with him. That's the end of the show. <laughs> nice. Any Seinfeld person knows that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. not me. You yeah. don't know. They're real and they're spectacular. I know. I've never heard that. I know. Anything boy. in the 90s TV, I'm pretty much boy. out. Boy. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. All Wrestling right. from 1985, I'm all in. 90s TV, no clue. Okay. <laughs> Episode 139, Hot Shot, doesn't happen without our partners. Jordan Flowers team at the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage. Been saving unfiltered listeners lots of money for a few years now. If you're at 3.5% or higher on your mortgage... There's money to be saved. It's as simple as a seven-minute call. 425-250-3150, the Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, and experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. Evergreengk.com. Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza. Uniquely Northwest with that craft beer selection, which is better than you'll find anywhere. You can have your favorite beer delivered to your door by downloading the Zeke's Pizza app. Now in Kenmore, coming soon to Bellingham and all over the place, Zeke's Pizza is growing, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, our reservation is set for Mother's Day, which also happens to be Movie Mogul Max's 19th birthday. Lake Union location for us this time around. Nothing better than Daniel's for special occasions. A world-class steakhouse. The Fireside Home Solutions team was out at the house this week. We're redoing our backyard patio with a brand new fireplace. John's crew makes it easy and efficient. Start your search. Fireside Home Solutions Dot com episode 139 it's a good one and it starts right now unfiltered maybe he's just trying to get a hold of him so he doesn't sack russell wilson yeah. which in this case that still goes if he's unavailable to play he can't say he can't sack so remember i made the crack that he's good for 10 sacks all smith signing is great good for 10 sacks right. the five that he'll get for the seahawks and the five that he won't get of <laughs> russell wilson unfiltered you just report to camp one year and you go you know what i don't like number eight anymore i want to be nine you had to personally buy out out from the NFL, every remaining jersey, <laughs> wow. licensed jersey with your old number on it. You had to, if there's 5,000 items sitting out there, you had to buy every one of them. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 139 is now officially underway. Hotshot Scott, what do you got for me? I got a list of stuff. Are you ready for the other stuff segment? Oh, am I ready? Okay, because I got a list of stuff for this segment. Okay. Bob. But you go first. What do you got? I was just thinking about what a great time it is to be a kid. I mean, you have you have young people. That, yeah. 
Piper, I have, I have what? You I, have young people in the house. I mean, you I, know. I do have young person in the house. Yeah, person now, yeah, but. Yeah. Got a dog. Piper you- has a friend over yeah. and they say to me, hey, we're going to walk up to Starbucks. And so I'm like, okay, fine. My, my first thought is, how are you going to pay for this? Like, Piper doesn't have cash. Wait a second. Isn't it's- the first thought, is it safe to walk up to Star- Starbucks? It's safe where I live. I'm not that Trying to think where it. you are. Are they going over to that little area where I... That has all the little restaurants at one road over there. Yep. Is that yeah, what you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, there's got like a little Italian restaurant. Yeah, all yep. there's three I Starbucks. Sent you a picture. Yes, that's from right. One of, yeah, is that where the Starbucks? Right are? around okay. there. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it, I'm cool with it. It's daylight. I'm okay. not worried about. Mom's it. okay with it. Uh, yeah, my Piper has a phone now, and she's got her location on. Okay. We keep it on. Whatever. But I'm thinking, okay, how's she gonna pay for this? Like, she doesn't have any money. I don't have yeah. any cash on me. I'm not gonna give her my debit. I give her yeah. my debit card. Yeah. And their friend goes, I'll just use my my phone. I have I have Apple Pay. What? She's just got Apple Pay. <laughs> just like, what the hell? What a great time. She's 12 years old. Does she get to scan her phone anywhere? Just Her mom just comes out of her mom's account, I guess. Just I don't even know what Apple Pay is. Do you use Apple Pay? I have it on my phone. I very rarely use it. Like, I don't God, know that I even know how to use what it. What a cool time to be a but kid. But I'm a little concerned that you don't, the dad doesn't know that she's got Apple Pay. That's kind of the. Well, no, no. It's her friend. Her friend said she. Her, oh, the friend's got Apple The friend's pay. picking up the check oh, all the time because she's got no. Apple Exactly. And that's, that's when you say, I'll have <laughs> yeah, a. Uh, yeah, I put my order in too. I'll have a double mocha. <laughs> See, I don't know how to order <laughs> right, it right. Starbucks. I'll have an iced tea. Yeah. That's when you start ordering a, a sausage, egg, and cheese. Bring me an ounce of sausage, egg, yeah. and cheese. That's when you start ordering stuff. God, what a cool time to be a kid just going through yeah. life scanning your phone phones talking to your friends phones. oh god we used phones. to have to call people's parents and like go through their dad hot shot I, I stop me if you've heard this story okay in 1986 all right i was flying back to syracuse new york there were no such thing as cell phones right okay um i don't even think we had a phone in our room we had to go use the pay phone in the dorm <laughs> yeah and we had a rule in the Levy household that when I got on a plane to go back to school or when I flew anywhere, I actually didn't fly direct. I had to stop in like Charlotte and then fly to Syracuse, whatever, that you called your parents when you got back sure, to make sure you're there. Yeah, okay. Check in. There, yeah. there was no way. There was no life 360. No. There was no way they could even know. I mean, think about, think about if you put Piper on a plane, you had no way of knowing where she was I in the world. Hope I hear from her in four hours. Yeah. Yeah. So you haven't heard this story? Uh-uh. So I got to Syracuse. I was going back after like winter vacation or something, and I was excited to get back. And yeah. I got back, and I got into the dorm, Sadler Hall. I'm excited to see everybody. Everybody's you know partying, doing sure. whatever they do. It's like the first day back, and all of a sudden, like at ten o'clock that Sunday night or eleven o'clock, the elevators at Sadler Hall on seventh floor, eighth floor, they, they, they seventh floor, they they fly open, and two police officers come oh, walking out. God. And we had this long hallway, okay. door after door. You can picture a door, sure, yeah, door yeah. after door, huge. There must have been 30 doors on both oh, sides. So, so 15 on one side, 15 on the other. You know, just a long stretch awesome. of a hallway. Yeah. And when police officers, they don't rarely, they don't show up all the time. When two police officers with mean looking faces show up, <laughs> yeah. everybody's standing by their door like, okay, yeah. what's this all about? People are Ooh. flushing weed yeah. and hiding beer. And- <laughs> Who's got, who's got cocaine? Exactly. You know, who did what, right? And yeah, everybody's yeah. like, everything Freaking gets out. quiet. Everything's yeah, yeah. quiet. And we're, I'm just standing there giggling. I'm waiting to see. I can't, can't wait to see who it is. Yeah, yeah. And they're busted. walking and walking <laughs> oh, slowly. God. And I can hear like song. I can like in my mind, I got like a, a movie soundtrack. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah. Like who, where are they going to stop? And they stop at my door. Oh. Mitchell Levy. Everybody's, is Mitchell Levy here? Oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm Mitchell Levy. <laughs> Call your parents. 
And they turned around and they walked out. That was our whole job that night was to three tell you words. Oh, God. Call your parents. How do you think that went over with all my buds yeah, down there? You think, I, you think I'm still hearing about that 40 years later? <laughs> exactly. But taxpayer money. Good this use Mitchell right there. Levy here. <laughs> Call your parents. Oh, geez. Like, and they were miserable because, okay. This is what our job exactly. as officers have come to. Right. We've got to go to Syracuse to Sadler Hall and tell a kid to call his parents. I'm surprised yeah, they because did. Because I, I had forgotten to call, and they had they had no idea if I ever yeah. arrived if the plane got in. There was no. I don't even. I think you had to call to find out where the planes got in. Yeah, yeah. There was no internet. There was right. nothing. Right. Yeah, you have to they call. They had no idea. They had no idea where in the world I was. Right. I could have gotten on the wrong flight. I could have been in Mexico somewhere. They had no idea. So they sent the they sent the police after me. And something could have happened from the airport to the dorm. Like, you have no idea where the hell you they are. They had no... But, where do they call? Where do they even call? <laughs> they call the school, puts them to the campus police or whatever. I could see me completely forgetting to call when I got back to the dorm. There you just go. People partying. Hey, buddy, buddy. Uh, it just you completely go. slips your mind. Mitch, call your parents. God, NFL awesome. draft week, round one on Thursday, rounds two and three on Friday. Friday rounds four to seven on Saturday. Will you watch? I will keep an eye on it. Yes, I will keep an eye on it. I, I always like the as first a football 10 picks. fan or as a C. Well, you just answered the question. Yeah, yeah. As a football, football fan. fan. Yeah, yeah. I like to see where people go. The Seahawks are scheduled to pick 56th, which is the second round, 129th, which is the fourth round, and 250th, which is the seventh round. I'll probably set my alarm for like the 55th pick. That's what I'll keep. They an eye won't on even. Picks. My guess is they're not going to pick at 56 either. They're going to trade back and add picks. Oh, gotcha, yeah. Trade back and add picks. Yeah. Unless you think that John Schneider is going to stay with only three draft choices in seven rounds of the NFL. There's no way that's going to happen. So my guess is they won't pick 56. So you might ask, go ahead and ask, why? where are all their picks, Mitch? Hey, what happened to all their picks? I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> Call your parents. I will. Okay? <laughs> Jamal Adams. Oh, yeah. First round pick this year, third round pick this year. Traded for Jamal Adams and next year's first round pick. Okay. Okay. You wonder if they're going to sign Jamal Adams? Yeah. Okay. That's why they don't have a first and a third this year. Gabe Jackson, you know who he is? No. They acquired him. He's an offensive lineman. Oh, yeah. They acquired yeah. him a, a few months ago yep. to play guard for the Seahawks from the Raiders. Yep. They gave up their fifth round draft choice. So they gave up first and third for Adams, fifth for Gabe Jackson. Last year... In the seventh round of the 2020 draft, they had their eye on somebody, but they didn't have a pick. Okay. So they called the Miami Dolphins in the seventh round, the last round, and they said, we want your seventh rounder. And the Dolphins said, you can have our seventh rounder. You give us our sixth, your sixth rounder from next year. You can have our seventh rounder this year. Okay. So the Seahawks did that. That's where their sixth rounder is. All right. So their first and third is with Jamal Adams. Yeah. Their fifth is with Gabe ja the Raiders for Gabe Jackson. Their sixth rounder went to the Dolphins so that they could have the Dolphins' seventh rounder, which should lead you to the question. Who would they get for the seventh they rounder? They got a guy named Steven Sullivan. Hotshot, I'm glad you asked. They're dying for that guy. He was a tight end who they turned to a pass rusher. Oh, God. And then he signed with the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> It's a hell of a transaction. <laughs> nice job. So that's what they got for their sixth <laughs> oh, rounder last year, or for the sixth rounder this year. Yeah. And then Carlos Dunlap, when they acquired him in the mid-year from Cincinnati, they traded their seventh rounder to the Bengals. So their first and their third this year are for Jamal Adams. Their first, they don't have one next year oh. for Jamal Adams. Their fifth this year, Gabe Jackson. Their sixth this year, Miami. Steven Sullivan, no longer with the team. And their seventh this year, Carlos Dunlap. Now, they did get a seventh rounder back, I believe, the 250th pick in the, um, in the Diggs deal. 
the Quandre Diggs deal a couple of years ago. Okay. Anyway, there's. The, I, I just wanted to give you well, and our you. listeners a lesson, yep. and I wanted to satisfy the dude from Sacramento, formerly of Fife. <laughs> yeah. That was nothing but sports. <laughs> oh, it sure there was. There was nothing there. That was eight minutes right there of yeah. nothing but Mitch on the draft. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to dorm talk at Syracuse. Maybe he would oh, enjoy I that. He liked that. <laughs> no, no. Why do you do it, Mitch? <laughs> uh, we know Trevor Lawrence will pick, be picked number one. We think we know that Zach Wilson, the quarterback at a BYU, will be picked number two of the Jets. And then the intrigue starts, and we should be interested in this here in Seattle, in the Pacific Northwest, or wherever you might be if you're a Seahawks fan. The Niners. Remember, the Niners traded for the Dolphins' third overall pick. Everybody's wondering yeah. which quarterback they're going to pick, either like Mac, Mac Jones or Justin Fields yeah. or Trey Lance, but nobody really knows who Kyle Shanahan wants. The, the intrigue of the draft begins with a third overall pick. And we right? know that it's a quarterback, or we think it's going to oh, be a quarterback? Oh, the they would not have traded. They traded a lot to get okay. that third. You don't trade up to go to three to not pick a quarterback. It will be a quarterback. It will be, okay. It will be. We just don't know which one it will be. Anyway, and there's huge news, Hotshot. Okay. Roger Goodell <laughs> has been cleared to do what? Hug the players. Yeah! Is that right? That's right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> which I, I'm not a fan of, by the way. I, I think that, that, that needs to go away. You don't I, like the hug? No, I don't like the hug. No hug. I don't like it for some reason. Are you not a hugger? I personally am not a hugger. Oh. I, I'm not against hugs. Like when you see a friend, when you go, when you're invited over to dinner at like a friend's house and you see them, do you just like kind of walk in, hey, yeah. or do you give them like a hug? Are you a kisser? No, I usually use the, their restroom assuming, first and then say hello. Assuming they're not, assuming it's not COVID and assuming they're not serving yeah, mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay. Uh, I have friends I've known since kindergarten. I've never hugged. I, I just, You're not a hugger. No. I'm a hugger. I think it might be more of an East Coast thing, the hug and the kiss oh, on the cheek and oh, all that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we do that on the West Coast. We don't do it. Hey, buddy, a little, little fist bump. Thanks for waiting 30 <laughs> years to tell me because you've told me back in 95 right. when I came in hugging people. <laughs> You're kissing everyone like Richard Dawson all of a sudden. <laughs> Turning everybody off for 30 uh, years. Save it. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so he's cleared to hug. That's nice. Good for him, I guess. Follow up on our jersey number conversation of 138P. Do you remember the story I brought to you on 138P for the patrons yep. on Thursday? That players are now allowed to wear numbers they never were allowed to wear. Like, running backs can wear single digits and wide receivers can. And uh, the, 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 the rules surrounding, surrounding what numbers each position can wear have been totally relaxed. Well, well there's, a, there's a follow-up to that story. The, you like to do follow-ups in your other stuff yeah. segment? Follow-up. Two follow-up stories. Okay. Number one, there's somebody in the NFL, a veteran, who despises that rule change. Would you like to guess who it is? There is one person who has, who has spoken out, both on social media and on interviews, that it sucks. It's a safety hazard. Our guys are not going to know who to block. You know, you got blitzers coming in. They used to have to wear in the 50s for the yeah. linebackers. Now they could be wearing three or four. You don't know who to block. It's oh. dangerous. So who do you think is anti-relaxing the numbers rule? Mr. Grump himself, Bill Belichick? Close. Oh, Tom Brady? <laughs> Tom Brady. <laughs> God. Very upset. Really? Thinks it's, it, thinks it's a bad decision by the NFL. And, and I also told you, that something I didn't know that I don't think you knew then either on Thursday's 138P is for a player to change his number, what does he have to do? He's got about the inventory of the, the old jerseys. All the jerseys that the NFL are trying to sell, th license apparel through all their websites. Yeah, yeah. If I want to change my jersey, I've got to buy out every one of those <laughs> remaining jerseys. 
And there's a follow-up to that story. Dalvin Cook, the all-pro running back of the Minnesota Vikings who wears number 33, once they changed the rule, he wanted to go back to number four because that's what he wore at Florida State. That's what he wore in high school. He wasn't allowed to wear it in the NFL until now, even though Tom Brady says he shouldn't be allowed. He wants to go back to number four. He told the team, I'm going back from 33 to four. And then the team told him, here's what's remaining of 33s hanging out in New York. Oh, God. Here's a bill for $714,000. I don't know what it was. But whatever the bill was, Dalvin Cook said, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna stay at 33. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't. I don't hate it that bad. Um, and that's a true story. He was gonna change, but he he won't change because the bill is too God, high yeah. to buy out the re. Not the worth market. it. No. Yeah. He didn't think it was worth it anyway. He he does have a huge a huge new contract. Did you see the first picture of Tiger Woods since the accident? I did. Yes. What'd you think? Did you have a? Um, I know you don't hug. I know you're not a kisser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have any? Did you have any tangible emotional reaction to seeing that picture? I did. I That's did because I thought he'd be in the hospital for a long time. Yeah. I mean, well, like, you knew he was out of the hospital. You knew he was home. In I Jupiter, knew, but I, when I first heard the story, right. you know, femur breaks. Right. I thought this is gonna it might be a Gordon. year. Yeah. And then what? Two months later, he's standing on crutches and With smiling. With a dog next to him. Yeah, and yeah. What'd you think? I loved it. It's great. Uh, I'm happy too. for him. Yeah. I did too. It's great. I mean, if he never competes again. I'm, I can live with that, but I hope that maybe he can go out and play a friendly round and play the game he loves. That's all I, I hope. I think we should change the title of Mitch Unfiltered to Mushy Mitch. <laughs> I think I've become just totally mushy, but I got to tell you, that picture, and I don't know Tiger Woods. I've never spoken to Tiger Woods. I pull for Tiger Woods. Yeah. I think he's lived uh, an interesting and some, in, in a lot of ways, a very difficult life. I pull for him. I pull for him to get through whatever problems he has emotionally. And if he's got a substance issue with pain, I don't know. But I pull for him. Yep. I pull for him because I pull for people with second chances. And I don't know. I, all I can tell you is when I saw that picture, it made my day. Seeing mm. him on crutches in a walking boot with the, the, the hat on backwards with yeah. a big smile. Yeah. I don't know. He looked... He looked like a guy who broke his leg in like a skiing accident. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't look like a guy who was, uh, you know, on the on the threshold of death. Right. Who could easily be dead. Who easily yeah. be dead. Yep. He just looked like a guy who's had, you know, I don't know, blew out his knee. Yeah. Playing pickup hoops or something. something yeah. 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 And yeah. I just, I like that. Yeah. I like. No, I, I liked it too. I'm wondering if he's going to have a new look on life, maybe a new a new outlook on life. I don't know. I don't know either. But it does happen to people when you face death like that. Maybe you start to, you know, not take for granted your life it, anymore. I don't if know. If he ever comes back from this and plays major professional golf, that first tournament back, yeah. <laughs> yeah. when they call his name at the first tee, you thought it was emotional when he came back from all the shit that was going on in his world right. and, and all the surgeries and back surgeries and problems in his marriage and all that stuff. Imagine what it's going to be like at the Masters in like two years or, or next year or whatever, yeah. when they announce his name and he steps to the tee. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Some crazy ratings too for that. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, crazy. It's going to be awesome. And my last thing for segment number one before we do the interviews, and I think those of you that, that like a good life story will really appreciate the first. You got to stay with it. You got to stay with it. Okay. The first segment. Um, I, I want to mention Charles Barkley. Do you, are you a Charles Barkley fan does he offend you? Do you? Does he rub you the wrong way? Do you like him? Have you ever spoken to him? Okay, it's a lot of questions there. Yeah, uh, where well, are you on Charles Barkley? Well, growing up a Sonics fan, I hated yeah. I hated him with the Suns. As a player, but if if I could have been in the NBA, yes, 
I would choose his body. Like I would choose his. That that's who I would want to be in the well, NBA. Kind of look like. Well, him. I'm not six five, and I don't have a 44 inch vert. You you kind of look like. By him. the way, the funniest thing anyone ever said to me: we were I was playing a pickup game in college. You play like Barkley. Well, no, it's I was I, I scored on a kid who was actually on the team. Yeah. And so of course I had to talk shit about it, right? I mean, <laughs> I, you're on the team, and I he goes, yeah, too too bad no one needs a five eleven power forward. And I thought that's so true. It's exactly what I am: a five eleven power forward. Who the hell needs that? But anyway, I, so I, I love the way Barkley played i love it i love yeah. his game what do you think of him personally i think he's, he's very outspoken he, he gets is. away with a lot more than most people get away with. he does get away with a lot i think he's pretty funny I, I don't always agree with him but for the most part i like charles barkley i like his personality okay i have said for years going back to the to the radio show on kjr I've uh-huh. said for years charles barkley has found a way since he's become a personality i mean he was always a great ball player and a person i mean since his playing days are over and he's become like one of the big voices and faces in television yeah. right he has found a way somehow some way to pick up the line the line that you me and everyone else in the world have to follow <laughs> yeah for some reason he he's picked that up for himself and move the line over to here, yeah. and he can go way over the line and not suffer the ramifications that any of us would suffer if we said some of the things that he did. Yep. Okay? People have agreed with that sentiment of mine. Some have disagreed. You seem to agree yep, with it. I do. Here is another example. Okay. I am going to repeat verbatim what Charles Barkley said this past Thursday night on TNT while Ernie Johnson was doing the Los Angeles or was doing some highlights at halftime of the Lakers Dallas game. Okay. And you I dare you to tell me that if his name was not Charles Barkley, he wouldn't have been fired and canceled for saying <laughs> what I'm about to say. Okay. This, this is what Charles Barkley said. Ernie Johnson is is doing the VO on highlights, and some guy from the University of Georgia. Barkley went to Auburn. Somebody went from the University of Georgia does something good. He says, out of the unit. And Ernie says, so-and-so out of the University of Georgia. And Barkley chime, chimes in, jumps in and says, Georgia? Georgia's the only school in the world that named their mascot after the women down there. Jeez. Yeah. The Bulldogs. Yeah, that would not have uh, okay. flown very well if okay. Ryan Seacrest said that on American okay. Idol. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Charles Barkley <laughs> said that. Okay. We would be firing just about anybody else who said that. You're right. This comes, by the way, um, a few years after, while doing the San Antonio Spurs highlights, Barkley said, and I quote, some big old women down there in San Antonio, gold mine for Weight Watchers. Victoria is definitely a secret down there. They wear bloomers, nothing skimpy. Whew. Okay. Yeah. Only Charles Barkley yeah. can get away with that. Right. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about a suspension or his hand being slapped or TNT saying we don't we don't agree with what you're, we're suspending him for a couple of shows or yeah. anything. Nothing. I, I haven't heard. Maybe, maybe there has been. Maybe I, I, I've missed it. But not too many people can make those types of comments in 2021 and get away with it. Why Charles is that? Barton. Because he's picked up the line yeah, and moved. How has he been able to pick up the line when put, no one else can? Because he keeps pushing and he keeps being controversial. And he keeps saying things and 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 like subconsciously for the rest of us it's just like oh that's charles being charles that's oh, what he is okay. somehow he has worked his way into a position <laughs> to be able to say things that other people can't say maybe and i find it very interesting maybe it started when he was a player because he was very outspoken as a player right yeah oh very uh, yeah he, he, i don't know maybe i have never told you the i told you since i told you the syracuse story i'll tell you the charles bar i'm doing i'm doing sonics 
uh, TV, pregame, halftime, and postgame in like 95, 96. I remember, yeah. With Kevin Calabro and Marcus Johnson. So I would do the pregame show, and then during the game, I would do sideline stuff. I'd jump out on the court during timeouts and do highlights and do other scores mm-hmm. and it would interview people, interview David Stern the yep. night that Key Arena opened, whatever. With jet black hair, I remember you. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yes, I remember. I had to, I had to throw that in. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, one day I'm doing I'm doing a sideline deal, and I think they're playing I think they're playing the Rockets, and they asked me to go on the floor during a timeout, and they're going to start on me. The camera's going to start on me. Then I'm going to do some highlights from other games, and they're going to bring out a they brought out a monitor. Okay. So the camera guy is in front of me, and he's got a monitor down at by his feet, so that when I go off camera to do the highlights, I just look at the monitor. Okay. Okay. Let's go down. Kevin Galabro, Marcus Johnson. Let's go down to the floor and Mitch Levy. Mitch. And so I come on with the jet black hair. Yes. Uh, so Charlie Sheen. Uh, and, and I come on. <laughs> Tom Cruise comes on. Yeah, that's right. And I start, I'm on camera and I say, ah, in Phoenix, the Suns and the Golden State Warriors, let's get to the, let's go to the videotape like Warner Wolf. And I start doing the thing. And I'm looking down. Now I'm on live. My voice is on live. And I'm looking down at the, t- t- at the uh, monitor yep. and I'm doing the thing. All of a sudden, I just get forearmed. A shimmy. I mean, I just get pounded by some, like yeah. somebody was ru- almost like I didn't realize the game was starting and I'm still out there in the <laughs> middle of the game and somebody just was running down on a fast break and just right. hammered me. Okay. I, I'm like doing highlights. I'm getting hammered. And I just got hammered. I look up. It's Barkley and he's laughing at yeah. me. He walked out during the timeout. And he just, he just banged me. Yeah. What, what did that feel like? Did you feel like somebody you could guard? <laughs> no. I mean, God, the strength of that guy. I'm I needed sure. a 5'11 power forward. You know what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He probably 260, he 6'5", hit me 260. So he, and he probably just barely touched me, but I went yeah. flying. Jeez. And I, here I am trying to do like... <laughs> and he's laughing? Yeah. Oh, he's laughing. He yeah. thought the whole thing was so fun. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. So. He seems like a good guy. I don't know. It, it's like if, if you heard that... You know Willie Nelson, the country western singer Willie Nelson? Okay, sorry. If you heard that Willie Nelson got, <laughs> got popped with marijuana. Do I know Willie Nelson? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you have some blind spots in music, so. I don't I know it. who Willie Nelson okay, is. Okay, fine. I don't know. But if, if you heard he got arrested for marijuana. To all the girls I've loved before. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a duet, but yes. <laughs> with Julio Iglesias. Yes. yes. But would you be shocked or would you be outraged or would anything happen to him? if You, you know, it's like he's he sort of said it early that he loves marijuana. Yeah, that's it. It's kind of with Barkley, though. Like, yeah. I am who I am. Yeah. You can have me work for you or not. So I, guess, yeah. I think my point is you got to set it early. Set it early on who you are, and then we all just sort of throw our hands up and go, ah, what are you going to do? It's a, it is pretty cool he's, the way. He's, he, 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 different <laughs> rules for Charles Barkley. Yeah, no, for sure. Certain people get to just different rules. Yeah, but he, he weird. established it early. I say what I say. You're welcome to hire me or not. And they just continue to not do anything when, he's, when he talks like that. Episode 139 with three interviews. You'll love the first one. Hang with it. Okay. Just hang with it. There's a, a fun and very interesting moment in the first interview. And then the second one will be with the uh, Seahawks note table for the draft and the Seahawks offseason dealings. And, of course, Corey Brock is going to answer the question, is it real? Are they real? Yes. And are they spectacular? I can't wait. About the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> I got a question for you. Have you explored opportunities to save money each month on your mortgage payments? All it takes is about seven minutes to see what our next guest can do for you on the phone. Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage is on the horn with us. How are you, Jordan? I'm doing well, Mitch. Thank you. I missed you. It's good to be back. Uh, great to have you back. What's the latest in the Northwest market these days, buyers and sellers and homes? 
Yeah, everybody's seeing their homes in their neighborhood selling for way over list. It's an incredibly hot market for sellers, um, and we're working with a lot of buyers, helping them get into homes right now. But great time with low interest rates. I'm not sure that I've ever asked you this question. What happens if I find a home that I really, really like and I want to act upon, but I haven't sold my home? That's a dilemma for me. Yeah, it's a great question and one we face every day with the buyers that are calling in, especially right now with a little bit tighter inventory. So I've been working with a real estate company and we've developed a program where the company will go in and buy the new home cash for the buyers. Mm. Sellers of the home can move in and then list their home to sell it. Uh, once it's sold, proceeds from that house will go to purchase essentially the private note that this real estate company is willing to go on. So the buyers go nice. on title yep. and it's a private note that we then do the long-term secured takeout financing on. And what are the numbers these days on a refi with a good credit score, Jordan? Yeah, we've actually been getting a nice little mortgage-backed security rally this uh, last three weeks and rates are hovering right around that 3%, 299, 3% range right now. I know I ask this question every time, but it's important to make it as simple as possible for our audience. What's the number? What's the rate that should make us at least explore redoing our mortgage? Yeah, I would say really kind of that three, three, seven, five, three and a quarter, three and a half range and above. There's actually kind of a unique market right now for buyers who bought kind of beginning of last year, the first half of last year, end of 2019, where if they didn't put the full 20% down, they still have mortgage insurance and their rate was probably in the three and a half to three, eight, seven, five range and they can't get rid of the mortgage insurance yet. So what we can do is we can structure a no cost loan and drop the interest rate an eighth, a quarter, three eighths, but also remove the mortgage insurance due to all the appreciation we've been seeing in the market. So really we're saving people two, three, four hundred dollars just by removing the MI and dropping their rate just even an eighth to a quarter. Okay, and how do we reach the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage, Jordan Flowers and his team? Direct line, 425-250-3145. Cell phone, 425-890-2957. Terrific partners, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Important announcement for our program. Just couldn't be more thrilled to welcome Dylan McCullough back to Indiana. Just so much respect for him as a man. Uh, so much respect for him as a football coach. Well, first off, you know, Tom, I, I just want to say how honored I am to, to have the opportunity to rejoin on the IU football family. Everything has been a blessing up to this point, but I'm just honored to be um, back in a situation where I can come back and have a positive impact um, on IU as a whole. Our next guest on Mitch Unfiltered was not only a standout football player and now a coach, he even has a ring with the Chiefs, but he has one of the more incredibly moving life stories that you will ever hear. He's back at Indiana as an assistant after stops at where USC dealing and the Kansas City Chiefs, where else were yep. you? I was at Miami of Ohio, and I mean, obviously now I'm here to, as the associate head coach and running backs coach. There you go, at Indiana. You weren't just at Miami of Ohio as a coach. You were quite a player at Miami of Ohio. We'll get there in a moment. Thanks for being willing to tell, a, tell your story again with us. Thanks for being with us. Hey, no problem. So 1972, you were born in Pennsylvania, adopted as a newborn in Ohio, right? Were you, what kind of a childhood did you have? And how tempted were you when you found out that you were adopted to go looking for your natural parents? 
I mean, I had a somewhat regular childhood, I guess, with you know some of the challenges that come along with, you know, having you know the parents divorce and different things like that, and mm-hmm. you know there were some struggles that came along the way. But you know, when I found out I was adopted, you know, it was peculiar to me because obviously I, I you know, I, I didn't know that. Overheard that conversation maybe a few, you know, you know, a few years after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I was like five or six years old or something like that. But you know, I never was was actively looking. I'd always wondered. Just as time went by, I you know, ultimately decided to start looking. We'll get there in a second. How was how was going to school? How was being a young boy? Uh, it was not easy for you as an adopted son. No, <laughs> you know, in, in the adoption part, really wasn't. You know, it was just in general, just some Youngstown, Ohio is rough. Yeah. You know, it was a yeah. tough situation. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom was doing the best she could. I mean, it was just tough circumstances, you know, kind of across the board. But I had supportive, you know, family and uncles and cousins and, and grandparents and things like that. But, you know, on the ground surface, it was there was some struggles that I had to deal with. Ultimately, use that as motivation to kind of um, overcome my circumstances. And you became... A terrific football player, which was the best thing that could happen to you. Football was a great escape for you, wasn't it, Dylan? Yeah, it was. You know, it was. It definitely was an escape for years. Continued just to bond with my with my teammates and mm-hmm. do something constructive, not knowing that it would lead to what it led to. I just worked hard and said, you know what, I may not be the biggest or the fastest or the strongest at that moment, but I still wanted to, you know, at least make a name for myself as a hard worker. And that hard work ended up unlocking great talent you know and 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 was able to put that on display as time went on let's talk about that for a second uh you blossomed you were given a chance in high school your senior year to be a running back was that the first year you were a a running back which opened some college football eyes and opportunities we know the name jim trestle and bob stoops and our former seahawks running back sherman smith who was the running back coach at miami we'll talk about him it was your senior year that unlocked all that right yeah, so all the way through high school up to my senior year, you know, I played running back. I, I got a little bit more time as a defensive back. The guy who was ahead of me was legitimate. He was a, good, he was a great player. Um, I think going into my senior year, there was a sophomore, and I think it was our second game, and, and he wasn't doing very well, and they put me back in, and I just broke loose in that game. I, I might have had like 200 yards, and from that point, nice. I kind of cemented myself as as – you know, the primary running back for our team. Okay, so everybody starts to come to, to see you. Now, you have to tell me, and I've read all the stories and I've seen the, the videos, you got to tell me about that time when Sherman Smith, our former Seahawk running back, showed up in that Mercedes. I want to hear that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was on the third floor in school. You know, I was in English class. Yeah. And, um, you know, me and, me and one of my buddies, we looked down. We didn't see him get out. We just seen the car. Uh-huh. We seen, man, a candy apple red Mercedes. It had gold rims on it. I said, man, that was nice. <laughs> you know, we just looked down. We seen that. Yeah. Not knowing who that was. Or when we was at school. We don't know. Yeah. And then maybe, I don't know, five, ten, you know, no more than ten minutes later, we got like a pink slip. They came up and it was asking me to come to the office. Yeah. And, I mean, I drew no... You know, I, I didn't say, oh, that's about this car. I was just like, I don't know what's going on. So I went down there and, and um, it really felt like a movie when I think back on it. I, even, you know, when I told it before this circumstance, uh-huh. you know, came in and coached 
Smith had his back to me, mm-hmm. you know, because he was talking to our head coach, because our head coach was the uh, vice principal. And then he turned around and he looked, you know, looked at me, walked towards me and said, hey, what's going on? I'm Sherman Smith, running back coach for Miami University. Yeah. And it was like a connect right there. I just felt like, bang, we just like, okay. You know, I almost felt like at that moment, that's where I was going to go. Right away. You didn't even have Mm -hmm. to say any other words. And and your adopted mother fell in love with him when he met when she met him for the first time. This was just perfect. This was this was a match made in heaven. You and Sherman Smith in Miami of Ohio. Right. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was all good, you know, because he had name recognition, you know, in Youngstown. And I'd never really been around face to face somebody who had accomplished what he accomplished. You know, good-looking guy, man, big, strong, you know, well-spoken, had a degree, played in the league. I mean, just all these things that he had going for himself that, you know, I just knew I was like, man, this is my, I need, you know, I need to be around him. Yeah, and you connected with him not only as a football player, as I understand it, but really emotionally. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was just, there was something different about you and him and then you go to Miami of Ohio. They want you to be a receiver. No, I want to be uh-huh. a coach. And and then he leaves, right? He uh-huh. he leaves for a, a job at the University of Illinois. That must have. And, and we 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 deal with this on sports shows all the time. And we we ought to actually talk about it more. These young impressionable athletes that go to play for a coach and then, or go to play for a set of coaches and then there's change. That's not easy on a 19, 20 year old kid. No, nah, it was it was you know it was tough. So I, you know, just like you said, I went there. I got moved. My position got moved. I went around three weeks as a receiver, and I never forget. It was it was a preseason. It was our last scrimmage before we were going to play Ball State, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing. I mean, I was set to play as a receiver. Now we were mainly a running team, and I'm watching the running backs. And I remember just my eyes just kind of welling up, and I remember tears going down my face. And I'm a running back. I'm watching these guys. I'm like, man. I'm, I'm better than these dudes. You know, I'm better than these dudes, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. I'm better than these guys. So I remember going in to Coach Smith. You know, he wasn't even my position coach at that moment. I went into him, and he walked in. That's my guy. I went in, went to see him, and he walked me in. Me and him walked in to the receiver coach's office and said, hey, you know, Coach Smith spoke up for me. He said, hey, man, Dillon don't want to. Nice. He, he wanted to play running back. Right. You know, so he'll be, he'll be on scout team and, Man, we just kind of see what happened. So, you know, ultimately, Coach, you know, Smith ended up leaving. But he did tell the guys, and I kept hearing about this, hey, when, when Sherm left, he said, hey, to give you a chance at running back. And they not only gave you a chance, Dylan, 4,386 yards. Do I have that right? 4,386 career yards rushing after everybody doubted you. And then the NFL doubted you, and you went in, <laughs> you went into Cincinnati's a preseason team, and you led the NFL in preseason rushing, and then uh-huh. there was a knee injury, I think, late in the uh, preseason that kind of started the end for you as a as a football player. But certainly, yeah. it was it was still just the beginning of your story. Yeah, remember the and play? Then, you remember the play? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we were running the screen play to the left, and um, I remember the guy who went to block the um, the linebacker, and for whatever reason, he always blocked him up high. He used to just run through him. For whatever reason, in this particular play, he went low on the guy, and the guy literally fell right over the top of him and ran right into my – his helmet uh, went right into my knee. Uh, so, And that was the beginning of the end. You tried a little Canadian Football League. You tried a little XFL. But you were yep. 
you are going to be a coach and you're going to be a great coach. You are a great coach and you're going to be a, have a long career. Now you're married. You have your first child. What do you have? Four boys? Is that four right? Four boys. You got any running four back? Boys. Any running backs in that family? Dylan? They they all started as running backs. Now they're all on defense. <laughs> Okay. I told him that's where the money is. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, you have your own family. And as I understand it, when you start to have your kids and your family, that's when this desire. And I have to say to you, and I meant to tell you this before we started to record. I have a very dear friend who went through something very, very similar as you. Very similar. The, the similarities are almost eerie. Uh, and he and I kind of walked through it before he took the plunge and tried to go find his uh, natural mother and father. So uh-huh, uh-huh. you got to the point where you had your own family and then it became something that you just needed to do. Yes. Adoptive mom, she reached out to me. She, it initially, yeah, so it's, it's a, it was a, a series of events. A conver- it, it all kind of um, came, together. came all together yeah. with a conversation I had with my adoptive mom. But yeah, so when I started having, when I had my oldest and you go in there and, and you know, and the, the doctor was asking about family history and everything, it just really started hitting me even harder then. Like, wow, you know, I, don't, I don't have any answers. And then having to say that four times, you know, yeah. like, man, come on now. So I always wondered, you know, as, you know especially start getting features and like, where's my, where did my deep voice come from? Where does this come from? Where does that come from? And then seeing that manifest in my own kids, you know, I just didn't, I didn't have great answers. Thankfully was able to get those things answered. That's where we go from here. So you end up um, with the information about your mom, mm-hmm. right? Your, yes. your birth mom, a 16-year-old named Carol Denise Briggs, as I understand it. And Correct. you find her, I don't know if you Instagrammed her or you face, Facebooked mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. and you asked her if uh, she had a child <laughs> in 1972 in Pennsylvania and she probably held her breath, and, and then you arranged for a phone call that happened while you were an assistant at USC. We'd all love to hear about that phone call. That must have been something. Yeah, it was special. You know, I mean, you know, I sent her that message earlier in the day, and then um, I was in a meeting, and she messaged back. I sent her a message on Facebook. So I got a notice on my phone saying she read it. So, of course, that my heart started being like, wow, okay. And then I sent her a question mark saying, okay, are you going to answer the question? And she said... She said yes, which was basically saying that she did have a child in 1972 in Allegheny. So um, ended up having, a, you know, I was headed to a running back meeting at that time. I told her I would call her later. So I called later mm-hmm. and it was a great conversation. You know, I mean, it was, you know, it was an instant connection. Um, you know, I told her evidently um, I'm John, you know, which was my name given at birth. Um, we had a great conversation. I asked her if she had any other children. Well, she expressed to me she was in Youngstown. I said, wow, that's where I, you know, where I grew up also. So we had that conversation. And then, she have any other kids? She said, no, because I knew Youngstown was small. So then, of course, I, I came down to it. And I said, well, shoot, who's my dad? You know, and, and she said, you know, your dad is a man named Sherman Smith. And I mean, oh, it just, God. that was like, sent a shockwave through me right there. I, you know, so she was like, you know, she said, what, what's wrong? And I said, oh, I know him. <laughs> You don't just know him. He's been one of the most. Am I overstepping my my uh, my my boundaries to say, Dylan? He was the most important man in your life at that time. Yeah, I mean, he he had shown me in the short time I was around him. But then I talked to him for years. You know, it's just we just had a connection. You know, a, a, you know, a strong connection that 
survived many years and you know we in different parts of the country and different things like that had our own lives going on but we always had a connection he's so, your dad yeah it's, it's all this time he's, he's your, dad. He's your yeah. dad and yeah. where, where were you standing when she told uh, did, did you keep your knees you probably <laughs> did, was it like a linebacker hit you from the blind side i mean what was it yeah, like it was, when it, she it was what, a shot you oh know, my god I mean, it, it, and just ironically where i was located so i'm the all the beginning part of our conversation as i'm walking through the the facility at USC, it was where every, you know, people could see me. I'm walking past the weight room. I'm walking all these different places. They were populated. So as I'm coming out is when I hap- it just so happened I'm asking her, well, who's my dad? As I'm going down an empty hallway, coming out of a stairwell, coming up onto the main surface. So when she told me I was actually by myself, so oh. my emotions really could show, just ironically, that's where I was. And was a, you know, I had an emotional reaction to that. You know, and I was by myself at that time. And and then it all starts to make sense because people had been telling you for how many huh. years, you look like this guy. You sound yeah. like, you guys mm-hmm. are two peas in the pod. Everywhere he goes, you go. And mm-hmm. man, you look like each other. You sound like each other. All of it started to probably, you probably got flushed with all these comments, jokes that were made all mm-hmm. these years. I mean, for, forever, these jokes were made. I remember when I did my, and I still had it on tape, when I did my Hall of Fame um, acceptance at Miami of Ohio, which obviously he's in the Hall of Fame there too. And I made that comment and it was like crickets in the room. People, nobody got it. You know, I said, yeah, people say we, I kind of threw that out in the end. Like, yeah, I got recruited by Coach Smith. I said, and people used to always say we looked like nobody, when I look back on it now, it's kind of weird because no, it wasn't even people looking like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. come to, you know, I guess people who were there probably think back on it like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then, on top of all of that, Dylan, there was a picture. There was a picture that was kind of near and dear to your heart that you carried around, and people looked at that picture and they were like, "What? Tell us about that picture." So when I went to Miami, I had a big, I had a poster board in my room, and it was just a poster board of like clippings from high school, just you know some of my accomplishments. Mm-hmm. But on that same picture, I mean, on that same poster board, there was a picture of me and coach smith and it was a picture from my visit to miami in december you know i don't know 1980 1990 or whatever it was you know so that was in my room and you know for all my years in at miami and people used to always you know when coach smith was there they said man look at this you look just like coach smith but as the guys who came after coach smith left they would come to my room you know my sophomore junior senior year and they look at it and say ah who's that your dad I say, nah, that's Coach Smith, man. He used to be the running back coach here. And that used to always be the ongoing did, joke. Did you, you look did, just like him. After a number of these things, people telling you this, and you, of course, don't know who your dad, your birth dad is. You, did it ever cross your mind, Dylan? Is it possible? Did it Never. Never crossed your mind. Now, there, there's a joke <laughs> that, that came up, and it was associated with when I came up to Seattle. Oh. So... When I told my wife, so I, I told my wife right after my biological mom told me that, that Coach Smith was my dad. So I went up, I told my wife, and she had a really emotional break, uh, emotional reaction, because she said, do you remember the last thing you told me about Coach Smith? So how about this? When I went to Seattle, the last night I was there, Coach Smith and my mom Sharon, so my dad and my mom Sharon, they took me out to dinner. We had dinner, everything was good. After that dinner, I'm on the phone with my wife. She said, how everything go today? I said, it went great. I said, I had um, dinner with Coach Smith and his wife. She said, how'd that go? I said, it went good. I said, you know what? 
Coach Smith sat across from me. He was looking so serious. I thought he was about to tell me he was my dad or something. <laughs> oh, no! And I said that. that was, and I said it as a joke because I just been. <laughs> oh, no! It's just, I've been hearing, you know, people were just joking for the last for years. couple of years. And, hey, I just, yeah, yeah. and I said it just uh, as a, I just was joking. And my uh, wife didn't, you know, we, we both laughed about it way uh, back when it happened. But of course, she brought that up to me when I said, yeah, I, said, I, I was just joking when I said that. That's, you know. Unbelievable. It, yeah, it was, it, it was crazy. Um, but that was, a, okay. that was the last thing I said. People <laughs> want to know, of course, people in our audience that are longtime Seahawks fans remember Sherman Smith as one of the original running backs of the Seattle Seahawks. So, okay, now your birth mom has, you've met her, at least on the phone you've met her, mm-hmm. gotten to know her. She was 16 years old. She was a high school honors student who had mm-hmm. a baby in high school. And now... You know that Sherman Smith, after all the jokes and the kidding, is your dad. Uh, how do you tell him? Do you tell him in person? Do you tell him on the phone? How does he react? Yeah, so I, I called him. So the, the night that I found out, I sent him some texts. I said, I asked him about that picture because initially I couldn't find that picture. I found other pictures associated with that, but I didn't find that main picture. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't hit me until I, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm texting him. It's, 10 o'clock my time is midnight his time so um, the, the next morning or maybe that night or the next morning I talked to my mom and I said hey can I tell my dad she said go ahead so I sent him a text um, I, you know I said hey coach I want to talk to you about something I'm thinking he was going to just text me back and he called and so I, so I wasn't really prepared to talk at that moment but my wife said yeah go ahead and answer it so um, I got on the phone and I just you know I started talking I said hey you know I was adopted He's like, yeah, man, I was, you know, I said, I said, you know, I went through the process. I said, I found out who's my biological mom. And he said, oh, man, you know, he was, you know, saying, man, thank God, man. Praise be to God. I'm happy for you. And I said, there's a, you know, a little bit more. <laughs> I said, um, I told, I said, her name was Carol Briggs. I asked her who was my dad. And she said, you. You could just hear him say, he's like, wait a minute, I never heard that. It was like a couple of words. I couldn't understand what he was saying. He said, hey, I never, I never, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, she never told me that. You know, so he, he said, yeah, and he said, no, I know Carol. He said, I do. I, he said, I do, I do know Carol, you know. But, so, she, but um, he didn't, know, he didn't know that she had a baby, right? He never knew that. No, because he was a, he was a, she was a sophomore. He was a senior. Okay. So, he, you know, and that, they weren't, it was, you know, just one of those things. It wasn't like there was boyfriend, girlfriend. And she didn't like tell that. anybody, in fact. Only her she, immediate family. Only her immediate family knew. And he didn't even know. Wow. Well, he had no, he had no clues. He's going off to school. Yeah. <laughs> I was, when I was born, he was at Miami. And he was finding this out from you many years later. Yeah, he's finding out from me. I'm 45 years old, whatever, 47 years old, 45 and, years old. And, and what was after the shock wore off, what was the reaction? Was he proud was he happy I'm sure he was well I mean because I think it was stunning for him and I guess just like he said on the interviews he's had you know initially he was just you know he was more introspective in the fact that wow I'm responsible he knew that he knew my upbringing he knew it was tough he knew I had a rough circumstance so it was a it was a wave of emotions for him like man this guy had to grow up under some tough times and he was putting it on his shoulders and I told him I said you didn't even know <laughs> be different if you knew you didn't know anything mm-hmm. you know so I think once he got past that that emotion um, the well, next you, thing we did well you were key in that dealing I mean you 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 took that off of him that mm-hmm. was that was a courageous very brave thing for you to do I mean you made it all happen with the way you reacted to his to his guilt 
Yep. And, and I told him, I said, you know, and I told him, I said, look, I don't want anything from you. I said, look, I said, we already had a relationship. I said, you know, and if we, as we move forward, I said, it'll just be a stronger relationship. I said, but I ain't, I don't, you already know, I'm, I'm good. You know, you don't owe me anything. I said, man, I just, you know, I want, you know, this is something that I'm, um, was anxious to find out and shoot, I want to find out about it. He said, you knew you, you had a, you know, you were adopted. He said, Carol knew she had an adopted son. He said, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. So he had said, hey, you know, I just want to be sure on everything across the board. And I said, no problem. Let's get a paternity test. So we did that. And shoot, I mean, it came out just like what we thought. He's like, I just want to be 100 percent sure. I said, that's fine. And Dealing. So, so our audience has got to got to know. Tell me about the relationship of all these people. Is there an inner relationship? Your your birth mom, your adopted mom, Sherman, all the kids. Now you've got kids and he's got kids. And I'm hopeful that you're going to tell us everything has, has been fantastic ever since you found out. Yeah, everything's been great. You know, you, you couldn't ask for it to be any better. I mean, simply because my adoptive mom, I mean, she did she did the heavy lifting in the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, when it's all said and done, yeah. you know, she's the one who, who laid the foundation for me, you know, across the board. So, but she had always said, if you want to find out, I support you. You That's know, she nice. didn't have any issue with me doing that. So, you know, continuing to build a relationship with my biological mom, I mean, and that's, I mean, it's been phenomenal. I mean, just wow. the connection there, you know, just seeing her and talking to her, man, has been, it's been unbelievable, you know, and then obviously with my dad, you know, it's, it just went to another level because we used to talk, hey, coach, what's up? Hey, what's going on, dude? You know, we would talk for 10, 15 minutes, Bert. I mean, now when we talk, I mean, you struggle to get us off, you know, we talk for <laughs> at least an hour, you know, it's just so much to talk about. And because, you know, we, our backgrounds and so many things that are similar um, that not even, you know, I didn't, so you know, no one ever seen that coming, you know, just so, you know, like our life path and different things. I didn't, I wasn't trying to be Sherman Smith, you know, <laughs> or I wasn't trying to do exactly, you know, not exactly, but a very similar things that he did. It just happened like that. So um, it's, it's, it's been, man, it's been great, you know, and obviously, you know, my, my sons, you know, I got a son that's six five. I mean, shoot, we was wondering where his height come from. Well, shoot, my dad's six four. You know, you know. So I mean, you you unlock a whole lot of things with the, you know the de- with the genetic aspect of it. Like, okay, this makes sense. Hold on, you know? your birth mom was at the Super Bowl win. Yes. Excuse me. What does she call you? Uh, she's baby boy. <laughs> does she call yeah. you Dylan or does she call yes, you the no, name she, that she, she yes. No, she call, no, she calls me Dylan. Okay. Yeah, she calls me Dylan. All right, I I I've, I've, I've <laughs> saved the very best question and hardest question for the last question. You thought all those were tough questions. Here's the toughest question as we end, Dylan. You ready? Mhm. Who was a better running back, you or your dad? Mm. <laughs> Well, he, he got he got to legitimately get it done in the NFL. So I, I so there you go. He 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 did it in the NFL. I yeah, got, but I, you would have done it in the NFL. Yeah, come I, on, I come on. I, would, throw, I think I would have did a throw little modesty. But, throw the modesty out the window. Who was the best? And I want to know who he's going to tell me when I reach out to him. Who's he going <laughs> to tell me the be- better running back was? Uh, like I said, he, he got it done on that level. I, I, I got to submit to that. The Sherman tank was for real. I mean, I seen the clips. I, mean, I, I, know, I, know, I know what he was about. I know one thing. He got a, That left arm is a rocket. He, man, he, he can throw that ball now. Yeah, he was, a quarter, he was a quarterback. He was a quarterback at yeah, Miami. But, yeah, man, yeah. I remember when we was you know, at practices and stuff. I mean, he got a, he got a cannon. Uh. <laughs> 
Well, you are so, so kind to come on Mitch Unfiltered and tell us the story. A lot of people have heard it. Many hadn't, and they have now. Dylan McCullough, he's an assistant head coach at uh, Indiana, and he's so, so generous to spend some time with us. All of us in our audience, all of us wish you and your families, I'm going to say families, plural, (laughs) just a terrific, terrific year and upcoming years and all the best to you. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing with us your story one more time. No problem. It's time for Quizlet number three. I improved from one to two. Ladies and gentlemen, here she is, Katie Versio, senior financial planner, our partners Evergreen Golf Call. How you been, Katie? I've been good, Mitch. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm fearful, but I'm good. Let's <laughs> go. Three questions. Okay, so I'm going to start you off with an easy one, and Ooh, the, the topic today is about taxes. Okay. The 2020 tax filing deadline has been pushed back from April 15th. Uh, what's the new tax filing date? Is it July 15th, May 1st, April 30th, or May 17th? Easy one, May 17th. They gave us more time in 2020 than in 2021. Yes, I tried to trick you there. Uh, Last year it was July 15th, but this year it is May 17th. Okay, one for one. Question two. So tax reform is a major topic on everyone's mind this year. Uh, Biden's administration is proposing increasing the top income tax rate from 37% to what? Is it 40%? 42 point five percent 39 point six percent or 38 percent i'm gonna be two for two 39 point six percent katie that's right yes that was what it used to be before the tax reform in 2017 so yes it's proposing from 37 to 39 point six i'm two for two and i'm going for the clean sweep okay let's see if i can get you here so um, another major component of tax reform is a proposal to lower the federal estate tax exemption amount from 11.58 million now washington state has our own estate tax exemption amount. So is that $1 million, $2.193 million, $4.2 million, or $6.193 million? The Democratic way, Katie. Um, I don't know what Washington State's current tax exemption is. I should know that. I'm going to throw out the extremes. I'll throw out A and D. Let's go $4.2 million. I'll stay with C. Okay, so actually it's B, $2.193 million. For anyone that passes away, if your estate is above that amount, you have to pay taxes to the state on that. Not too bad. Two for three, Katie. Not too bad. You'll come back soon. Evergreen Golf Call. We love them. Everything wealth. Unfiltered. If you look at the Seahawks draft history of late, it hasn't been very good. I think the quantity of draft picks is so vastly overrated Mm. to where, yes, you're giving yourself more dart throws, but like, go get a guy you feel really good about. It's NFL Draft Week, everyone's favorite. Time to catch up with the incomparable duo of Brady and Joe, Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider, Joe Fan, NBC Sports Northwest. It's an off-season edition, boys, of the Seahawks No Table, and I'm kind of surprised, Joe, that you and Brady are not playing in the PGA's two-man event. I got it on the TV right now in New Orleans this week. I thought you guys would be Team PXG out there and winning the thing. 
Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something clever there. I've actually, you know what? Credit to me. I'm actually striping the PXGs okay. It's the uh, it's the wedges and the driver that are letting oh. me down. Oh. But, uh, you know, I had an Eagle for the first time in a long time lately. Went up and down from 205. Nice. Flirted with an, flirted with an Albatross. Wow. Um, that was with my trusty PXG 4 iron. So, wow. you know what? I, I am starting to get to the point where they might acknowledge my existence again as a user of PXGs, but we've still got a ways to go. Where was the Eagle? What golf course, Joe? It was at McCormick Ranch down in Scottsdale. I was down nice. there for a wedding. And nice. uh, yeah, par five, 205 out. And it was one of those where it was drawing at the cup and it was five feet short of an albatross. Nice. Yeah, so Brady, a lot of fun. So Brady. He, he made the putt. He's, well. And I made the putt. He gave himself the putt. Uh, Brady. <laughs> Brady, uh, he's he's bragging about an eagle. You got any golf exploits before we start on the Seahawks that you'd like to share with the audience, the Mitch Unfiltered audience? Um, no, no eagles. Of course, okay. I've got I think nine all time, but uh, none oh. within the last. We count, uh, huh? Okay. Yeah, we all count. Right. We all count right. those. All right. None okay. within the last few months. All right. So let's get to the Seahawks, which everybody wants to hear your views on. Uh, before we start with the draft that this this week brings us. Uh, Joe, let's start with you. The most action, I think, during the offseason has been the defensive line, right? Jaron Reed is gone. Puna is uh, extended. Dunlap is back. Mayoa is back. Hyder is signed. Who knows on Alden Smith? I know you're going to wax poetic at some point during the note table about Daryl Taylor, but save that. That'll be like the main event. This is just the prelims now, Joe. Where do you think they are on the defensive line? I kind of think they're still a big run-stuffing defensive lineman short where Jaron Reed departs. What about you? I think Al Woods is serviceable in that role. And I think having Al Woods there and Brian Monet and potentially Cedric Lattimore will allow Puna Ford to play more of the three-tech and maybe potentially tap into his pass rush ability that we saw a bit of towards the end of the season. I think they're in a much better place than they were this time a year ago. And the one area where it makes it impossible to truly judge what the Seahawks did last offseason in terms of the pass rush is Bruce Irvin tore his ACL in week two. And so when that happens, you know, the Seahawks are saying we did make these moves because we got Bruce Irvin. We thought he was going to be this big impact player. I I thought going into last season, yeah, they got a bunch of pieces and they have depth, but you need a dude. You need a guy that defenses have to worry about that makes other people around you better. And Carlos Dunlap was that guy. And we saw that he was the catalyst in addition to Jamal Adams getting healthy. But it was no coincidence that Jaron Reed, Puna Ford, Benson Mayoa, all those guys took off in the latter half of the season once Carlos Dunlap arrived. And so I think having him back in the fold now in week one, opposed to getting him in the midseason is huge. And I think Kerry Hyder is a nice piece as well. I think because you got Carlos Hyde back or Carlos Dunlap back, um, Seahawks fans can feel that much better about Kerry Hyder as a really, really good compliment to the defensive line without having him be like the centerpiece of what your offseason moves were in the way that Benson Mayoa and Bruce Irvin were a year ago. Yeah, and it makes sense that the volume approach that they've taken uh, with their pass rushers, edge rushers in particular, it really makes sense because from what I understand, they really they don't want Carlos Dunlap being that every down guy that you know Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill were during their later years. I mean, those guys were consistently 
in like 80 you know above 80 percent playing time in games they, they don't want to do that with dunlap they want to the you know they want to use him as more of a situational guy but they want to give him you know some they want to manage his snaps a 32 year old guy who dealt with a foot injury late last season and so it makes sense to have as many guys there as they can to spot him i think the same thing is true for alden smith you know there, there's some thought that one reason why he didn't play nearly as well later last season as he did early in the year. Remember, he had like three sacks uh, early in the season against the Seahawks was because Dallas used him way too much. I mean, he played like over 800 snaps last year, and that was his first season after missing four straight seasons. And so um, for the life of me, I don't know why Dallas played him that much, but I don't think you're going to see the Seahawks play him nearly that much. Of course, all this assumes he's even on the team. We're going to talk about his situation, I'm sure. But uh, the point being is that they've got a lot of guys, and I think that the volume approach makes sense because they don't want to overwork Carlos Dunlap. Joe, do you think that Alden Smith will play it down for the Seahawks? I don't. Okay. But hey, we also didn't. I also, if you asked me this time last year whether Quentin Dunbar was going to play a snap for the Seahawks, I would have said no. So it's possible. I, I don't want to be judge, jury, executioner in a situation where the details haven't come out yet. I know it's not not positive. I mean, anytime you're getting booked and having to post $25,000 in bail and dealing with it regardless is not ideal. But, you know, let's wait and see what happens before definitively we say anything. Brady, yay or nay on him playing a snap for the Seahawks? Well, if you just remove the legal part of it, I mean, I don't think he was necessarily assured of being on the roster. He signed a one-year minimum salary deal with only – $137,500 guaranteed. So that's that's not an insignificant amount, but it's also not nearly the type of guaranteed money that assures a guy of being, you know, even being on the roster. And so I don't know. I What I do know is, or what I do think is, I think the Seahawks are going to give him, um, you know, the same, they're going to give this situation the same time that they gave the, the Quentin Dunbar situation last year. Remember, there were people, you know, saying, or I think assuming that, you know, well, as soon as all that stuff came out in May, that they were going to cut him. They stood by him, waited for more information to come out, and it turns out that all the charges were dropped against him. So um, I imagine they're going to do the same thing with with Alden Smith, especially just seeing what happened with Aaron Donald, where he was accused of something. Turns out video evidence uh, showed that, that he did not do what he was accused of. So I imagine they're going to let this situation play out the same way they did last year with Dunbar. And Joe, you want to give us 20 seconds on DT, the greatest pass rusher no one's ever seen, Daryl Taylor, do we think? I mean, I believe that the three of us are all agreeing that they're in a better spot pass rushing wise right now than they were a year ago with Hyder and Dunlap now for a full season. And that doesn't even consider Daryl Taylor. If he's any good, add him into the mix and they're a good pass rushing team, right? I think you said it very well. The last thing they wanted was to have to have something from him immediately. And now they've set themselves up with the depth and the quality across the defensive line. We haven't even mentioned Alton Robinson as a player who played real well as a rookie to where if he ends up being a complete bust, which I'm not saying he will be or they think he's going to be, they can still get by with what they have. And then whatever you get out of him is such a welcome surprise and added bonus that, again, takes your defensive line to another level where now it's not just a rotation because you have to have guys rotating. You don't want Carlos Dunlap to play 80% of snaps. There's also not a drop-off, as significant of a drop-off anyway, when a guy like Carlos Dunlap leaves the field. Okay, guys, let's move to cornerback. Pre-draft conversation, Seahawks no table. Uh, I may be being a little bit dramatic, 
But Brady, I would say that DJ Reed, for as good as he was last year, Trey Flowers, Akella Witherspoon, and Pierre Desir. Is that how I pronounce his name? Desir? Yeah. I would say that's the most questionable cornerback room of any NFL contender, of any NFL playoff caliber team. There's just not a lot there. We don't know about what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen in the draft. Who knows? Maybe Richard Sherman is a possibility, his return. What do you think of the cornerbacks, and does it lead you to believe, we'll get there in a, in a few moments, that that will be the position of the first draft choice, whenever that is, of the Seattle Seahawks? I agree with you that that, that is a suspect position, and I, I, I don't you know, know offhand who, what the other contenders have, but I would imagine that, yeah, very easily, that could be the most suspect uh, position group at cornerback of any of the, the contenders you've got a lot of bodies there it's not like it's not like they they have a shortage there it's just you don't have a lot of sure things and for as well as dj reed um played for them last year i think he played well enough to to merit serious consideration for a starting spot but you're talking about that that may be the guy that you feel best about and that's a guy who uh you know was dumped by his previous team before that and so there's just not a lot of sure things i think akella weatherspoon is their type of guy. He's an intriguing prospect, a guy who you know never really put it together uh, in San Francisco. Also, by the way, a pretty interesting guy off the field. I'm working on a story on that. But um, anyways, you've just got a lot of intrigue. There you go. You've got a lot of intriguing guys, not a lot of sure things. And, you know, it's hard to say, if, is that going to be their third pick? You know, they haven't drafted a cornerback higher than the third round under Pete Carroll and John Schneider. So even if they stay at that second round pick, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be it. But um, I've heard by people who know a lot more about the draft than I do that it's a decent, you know, draft in terms of cornerback depth. Uh, so maybe you could get a guy in one of the middle or later rounds that, that fits their profile, you know, the longer, uh, bigger guy that they like. And Richard Sherman, yeah, that would make sense on the surface. A guy who knows the system, a guy who's played obviously very well in the past. I wonder if that might be a road that they just don't want to go down, given that the well-documented history he has with Russell Wilson. And maybe, you know, if you sign, if you bring Richard Sherman back, would that risk undoing the goodwill that they have gained with Wilson since he came out and voiced his frustrations. I just don't know if if it would be worth it when you're talking about a, a 33-year-old guy. Maybe maybe you could sell that to Wilson if this was the 2016-15 Richard Sherman All-Pro guy. You could sell it as a guy who's really going to help this defense. I don't know if you could make that same uh, sales pitch at this point of his career. I'd argue they lack quality and depth, which is a dangerous place to be at one of the most prominent positions in the NFL. When you, when you talk of premium positions you talk obviously quarterback left tackle pass rusher and then corner is right there and you might be able to get by with dj reed and a combination of trey flowers and akella witherspoon but what happens when one of those guys goes down i mean you have no depth there i mean you would love to have trey flowers and akella witherspoon as your two deeps i think that would be pretty quality you think you'd feel really good about that but I think absolutely this is uh, maybe their greatest position of need. And I think that's why when you look at some mocks, ones that go, you know, into the second round and beyond, you know, and I've talked to, you know, I do a draft panel every year and the name that keeps coming up in experts I talk to is, uh, is a Fitu Melifonwu from Syracuse, a guy who's from where, know, from where? Uh, yeah. Uh, the <laughs> Chapman Lord. university of the East is what they call that, that school. 
Um, uh, and so, yeah, I think it makes a whole lot of sense, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them to see them go corner in the second round. Yeah, and we're talking about cornerback being, you know, this huge need for them. And at the same time, I also understand, you know, not wanting to pay Shaquille Griffin as much as he got from from Jacksonville. So it's not, it's not it, all. All this is not to say that they made a mistake in letting him go. I mean, he got a huge contract, and so understand that. You know, the other thing, Trey Flowers, he he got a, a bit of a raise, a CBA mandated raise to over two million dollars, and. You know, I'm I'm wondering if he's not their starting, if he doesn't win a starting job in camp, I wonder if that, you know, two plus million dollar salary could make him vulnerable. Remember what happened last season with David Moore, where he was gonna he was set to make a couple million dollars. They had him take a pay cut right before the season started because uh, they they deemed two million dollars or whatever it was to be you know too high for a guy who was going to play a lot for them. And, and as if Trey Flowers is their number three cornerback, I could see them being uh, you know making a similar evaluation with him and and saying that he's not worth two million dollars. Okay, Joe, offensive line at the moment looks like if we started tomorrow, Shell, Lewis, Posick, Jackson, and Brown. I think I have that right. Is that good enough? Uh, credit to you for reading right to left. That's I was I was confused with that. I was expecting we to go left that, to we, right. We like, do that in Hebrew. Okay. Oh, that was good. Uh, 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 yeah. I think they're in an okay place. I think Ethan Postage made a ton of sense to bring back. He had some really good moments. I think he wore down towards the end of the year, and, and maybe you feel good about him being able to sustain his level of play for another healthy full 16 games. Granted, he didn't play a full 16 games last year, but he was close. Gabe Jackson, a solid move that I think you hope appeases Russell Wilson. They're still in danger a bit where how many of these pieces are future guys and both of their tackles are out of a contract after this year. Dwayne Brown, who knows how many years you're going to have left of him. And if you can't get a left tackle in the draft, it's going to be very expensive to get one in free agency once he once he departs or, or decides to call it call it a career. Brandon Shell, a free agent after this year. Gabe Jackson, not a long term option, but a, a short term um, kind of stopgap guy who you expect you know really solid play from. And you know center Ethan Postage to me is very much a wild card. So I think when I'm looking at the draft, it's offensive line, particular at center. Or I could still see them potentially taking a guard that they love and moving Damian Lewis uh, to center. Pete Carroll raved about him after his one uh, emergency start last year. Okay. Um, and then you need I mean, tackles down the road, maybe not in the immediate future, but at some point um, that box has to get checked. Brady, where are we on K.J. Wright and his position, his starting outside linebacker position? I think that he wants more money than what they're willing to pay him, and that's probably an obvious statement to most people who who know that he's still sitting out there. You know, he after the season, after he had a pretty good season statistically, maybe you know one of the best seasons of his career, came out and said that he wanted a market value contract. It never made sense, uh, in my opinion, for the Seahawks when they just drafted Jordan Brooks to play that weak side spot. It never really made sense for them to give him a ton of money. Obviously, he's got a ton of value to them as a locker room guy, as a guy who, again, played really well last season. But it, it was hard to imagine them giving him a big contract when they just drafted Jordan Brooks in the first round. And you imagine they're, they're going to want to get Jordan Brooks on the field more in his second year than he played as a rookie. And I've always said any extra playing time is probably going to come at the expense of K.J. Wright. And so I could see him coming back if he's willing to accept a deal for – 
around what he made last year, maybe even less. I just don't see them giving him a raise. Um, I, there's thought in the organization that Cody Barton is ready to, to fill that strong side role. He's started a few games there in the past. Okay. Uh, maybe he needs to get a little stronger, but um, I think there's, there's thought that he could start there. Now, behind those three, behind Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, and Cody Barton, I think the only other linebacker they have on their roster is Ben Burkirvin. So that's that's an area where they're going to need depth regardless of what happens with K.J. Wright. But uh, I, I could see them rolling with Cody Barton there. Yay or nay, will he be back? K.J. Wright? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think so. Okay. But, but not on the deal that he wants. Okay. Joe, wide receivers. Freddie Swain looked good as an unknown fourth wide receiver. I don't know how good he looks as a known third wide receiver. I'm not sure where they are on John Ursua. What happens if DK or Tyler gets hurt? I feel like something needs to be addressed in the wide receiver room, either through the draft or free agency or trade. What do you think? Absolutely. We talked about how thin they are at corner. They obviously have the quality at the top. I mean, an immense, you know, immensely talented duo in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but it's like shockingly thin behind them. And you said perfectly on Freddie Swain, is he just a guy or is he a legit number three better than what you got out of David Moore these last couple of years? But even if he is, you still need more guys behind him. I mean, Penny Hart and John Ursua aren't the guys you're going to battle with in those spots. I am shocked. And, and maybe they, they made an offer and I, we're just not aware of it. I'm shocked they didn't go in on Josh Reynolds for a million five. I mean, that to me like seems such an obvious slam dunk of a move with Shane Waldron's familiarity with him. But yeah, again, I, and I, I said it once before and I'll reiterate, with the three picks, and I think we all anticipate them having more, if they just had the three, one's got to be a corner, one's got to be an offensive lineman, and one's got to be a wide receiver. And, um, you know, I think last year they maybe did themselves a disservice not dipping into that wide receiver class that, you know, all, one of the all-time great wide receiver classes earlier in the draft, instead waiting till the seventh round to get Freddie Swain. Um, I'm curious to see. I'm, I'm surprised, A, they haven't made a move yet to address the wide receiver position, and I'm curious, B, what they do from here during the draft and then as the offseason continues. I was a little, I'm a little surprised by that, too. I thought that that's a position that they might uh, attack in free agency. Now, it, from the sounds of it, they tried. My colleague Jeremy Fowler uh, reported that they were in on uh, Marquise Goodwin, and I would have to imagine that uh, as the contract uh, terms that Joe mentioned for Josh Reynolds, I have to imagine they were in on that as well. Uh, again, there's still time. I've said this before. I think you're going to see a lot of players signed after June 1st of this year, so there's still time. In terms of Freddie Swain, I've heard a lot of good things about him. I heard he is a, you know, quote unquote, lunch pail guy, a really blue collar guy, accepts his role, willing to play hurt, willing to play special teams. So they're high on him as like a complimentary, um, you know, piece in that wide receiver core. Does that mean he can step into the number three spot right now? Does it mean that is he going to be better than other options that are out there? Um, I, I still think as high as they are on him as one of the back-end guys, that's not going to stop them. It at least shouldn't stop them from trying to find another third receiver uh, to, to compete for that job, whether it's just, a draft pick or a veteran. And just to add to that real quick, there are some names still out there in free agency. Golden Tate's a free agent, and I think the, the most notable name that wouldn't surprise anybody uh, is Antonio Brown eventually making his way uh, to Seattle. Russell Wilson pined for it last year. He went to Tampa Bay. There were no issues there. He won a ring with Tom Brady. Still a free agent. Um, and I think if, if he doesn't go back to Tampa, Seattle would be the again, place where he lands. Again, you got to ask the question, does what's happening with Alden Smith impact the idea of bringing – I mean, what does it look like if we're reporting 
right after Alden Smith's second-degree battery charge, which is now looming. Antonio Brown obviously has resolved some of his past issues, but you know, how does that look to a Seahawks organization, or don't they care, Brady? Don't they care how it looks? Uh, they absolutely care how it looks, and I think that I've said this before. I think that they have taken a different approach to players with – issues like this since the Frank Clark situation of 2015. There is a lot of backlash, not only externally, but internally within the organization from that selection. And I think that because of that, they have been more cautious in how they approach that. With Alden Smith, there's the interesting part about that is that he's not even scheduled to be arraigned until July, from what I understand, because in the court system in New Orleans, like as in a lot of places, everything is backed up because of COVID. And so that's that's a situation you know, that may not get resolved until a long time from now. And so maybe the Seahawks, maybe he plays for them in the meantime. You know, that's sort of what's happened, what ha- what happened with Michael Kendricks for them, where his court case kept getting pushed back. Maybe there's no resolution to that legal, legal resolution to the Alden Smith situation before this season. But My guess is but it's Alden Smith's put on the commissioner's exempt list, but, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine they're letting him play with that, but we'll see. But what about the fact that they went down that road? Um, We talked a little bit about it on social media. I don't know whether you guys plan to talk to John Schneider. The whole quote, what was it, in 2012, we will not have a Seahawk who struck a woman or something of that. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He went down the Alden Smith road, and he went down the road with a veteran who may or may not, you just said it yourself, Brady, make the team, which is kind of interesting to me. They they were willing to, to bring a guy in who's got domestic violence in his past who may or may not have anything left may not make the team so what about that what about their 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 willingness to go down that street i don't know and i i i wish i had a better answer for you i don't know we we have not had a chance to talk to them about that and so i don't know i mean the one thing i would guess is that you know they view all of those situations individually and and they don't look at it and see if a guy has a domestic violence in a headline with his name on it is they're going to treat all those the same okay uh, let's stick our neck out and, and necks out and finish up. How many picks will they have in the draft? And I'll call upon you guys after the draft to see how you did. Let's start with you, Joe. They have three right now. They're clearly going to trade back and add picks and do whatever they got to do draft day and leading up to the draft to have more than three picks. Will they have more than three? How many will they end up choosing? How many players will they end up choosing over those days? I'm predicting six. Wow. I think it's going to be hard to acquire too many more than that. How do they get to six? I think you can trade back once in a second. I don't think they can trade back far. I think they have to be very wary of trading back too far from 56 because, again, there are late-round gems in every draft. Predominantly, the best players are taken early in the draft. And the further back they trade, the bigger risk they take of not getting a single impact player in this class. Okay. And so the 56 pick is their only real valuable asset. I think they trade back again in the fourth. And I think it's possible they dip into the 2022 pool and get back into the draft, much like they did last year to get Freddie, or not Freddie Swain, but uh, Stefan Sullivan. So between the three picks they have this year and potentially using future assets, I think they can get to six. How many, Brady? I was going to say five or six, but since Joe said six, I'll say five. And (laughs) that probably runs counter to what a lot of people assume when they look at the history of trading back. And they've made the second most picks of any team since uh, 2010 when Schneider and Carroll arrived. So I think there's two schools of thought on it. There's the history of that and and the fact that they only have three picks. And you know how much they 
trade so that maybe they could end up with seven or eight. I think the other school of thought, in my opinion, is that this is not considered a very good draft compared to recent drafts because, um, you know, a lot of college guys went back to school, you know, because of the COVID situation. So it's not as deep of a draft. It's not as talented of a draft. We also know that the Seahawks, one of the primary, one of the main motivations for giving up a first and a third for Jamal Adams last year was their uncertainty over this draft, just because they didn't think it was as good of a draft because they knew that they would not have the same information on prospects uh, as they would because they didn't have the same access to those guys. And so maybe, maybe that line of thinking uh, informs some decisions this year. Maybe a team, you know, maybe the Seahawks are sitting there with their fourth round pick and some team wants to trade up for that. And maybe the, maybe they offer the Seahawks a third next year, and the Seahawks say, "Yeah, it makes it makes more sense to to draft in the third round next year than the fourth round this year when they'll have more information on that guy next year." Okay, Brady, what position will the first draft choice that they make, whenever that is, what position will that player play? Wide receiver. Joe. Quarterback. Quarter or corner? Quarterback. No, I'm just kidding. I'll say corner. <laughs> And will Russell Wilson be here one year from today? Joe. Oh, Joe. No. Joe. No. no. Brady? One year from today? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And Joe, what will Brady shoot at Chambers Bay? What's the course record there? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I was going to ask when I walked in. Uh, 80, 86. Brady? What will Brady shoot at Chambers Bay? I feel like I might. It's been raining all week. I'm planning to play from the combo tees, which are a little bit shorter. Yeah. My game has been dialed. This is my way of, of trying to set up the fact that I'm going to shoot a 79. Okay. Wow. Let's go. Game has been dialed. He was so humble at the start. We missed that. We missed that little humble brag. Let's go, baby. You guys Team are the best. PXG dialed in. Team PXG. They'll be in New Orleans at the Zurich Classic next week. You can you can bet on that as a team. Team PXG and the two man. PGA Tour event. They are Brady Henderson, ESPN.com, and Joe Fan, NBC Sports Northwest. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Brady. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much, Mitch. Hey, back with us on Mitch Unfiltered is John Waterstrat, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, not to mention the presenting sponsor of our fun March Madness Pool. Thank you for that, John, by the way. Give us an update. What's the latest at Fireside? Well, thanks, Mitch. It's great to be back and just kind of talking to your listeners, and uh, it's been great. The Puget Sound area is starting to open itself back up. And I still think that the whole remodel, people wanting to do something to their home continues to get people pouring into our showrooms. And we feel very, very blessed to be able to help them in any way we can. We want to have your team over to the house to come up with a solution outside. We want to put a new fire pit out there. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. Well, tell us about that arm, the fire pit arm of the fireside business. Yeah, it's a great complementary business to our fireplace business. People want that nice, warm feeling outside, so uh, it's it's done well. So people want to extend those areas outside, so we're able to put a fireplace for a nice living room area outside, or we can do that gathering space under a fire pit. So again, we can do up to uh, fireplaces, fire pits, and we could even provide you heaters outside to extend those uh, chilly nights in the Northwest to a longer period of time outside. Perfect. And while the name is Fireside Home Solutions, you guys introduced garage doors, a garage doors layer to your business not too long ago. Tell us why you did that and how it's been. 
uh, we were able to have an opportunity to uh, purchase one of our competitors. He was doing fireplaces and garage doors. He wanted to retire. So we were able to kind of blend our two companies together. We looked at that garage door business and we said, wow, what a great complimentary business to fireplaces creating that warm, cozy feeling inside was that same feeling that people wanted to do on the outside to add to that curb feel of their home. It's one of those things when neighbors drive by and they look at your house like, wow, what happened to that house? And to add that nice curb feel both outside now and then inside the home and having that warm, cozy place, it's, it's pretty exciting to have both of those pieces of our business. Well, it's exciting for us to be partnered with Fireside Home Solutions for the last few years. We're really thrilled and privileged to have you aboard. We love you. FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. Hanniger out towards the triangle, out towards the shore. Wall, Mitch Hanniger! Goodbye, God! Home run! What a bomb in the 10th! Sunday notwithstanding, the Seattle Mariners are winning. Often not pretty offensively, but they are winning. Is this sustainable? Corey Brock of The Athletic watches them closer than anyone. He's great to us here on Mitch Unfiltered. Hi, Corey. How are you? Mitch, I'm doing well. Thanks Thank for you be- for having me. And thanks for being back. So what to believe, Corey? More productive offensively in the four games versus the Red Sox. Kyle Lewis really hasn't started a hit yet. I would imagine Jared Kelnick at some point is on the way. What to believe? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a struggle for them. Although you certainly wouldn't know it by looking at their record, which I think you know has been propped up on a team that plays very good defense, turns a lot of balls and plays into outs, and then mostly that bullpen, Mitch, that they completely Amazing. revamped in the off season has just been dynamite. So while the two guys at the top of the order, Mitch Haniger and Ty France. Um, have been hitting the ball hard and consistently. Uh, They're still waiting on the rest of the guys to heat up. Now, as you mentioned, they just got Kyle Lewis back. He missed the first 17 games with a knee injury that he sustained in Arizona. So it might take him, you know, a week, week or two, you know, 10 days to, you know, start feeling like himself and start to get his timing back. So, but there's no mistake, Mitch, they're going to need the rest of these guys to hit if they hope to remain at or above 500. So you don't think it's sustainable, Corey, if I'm hearing you right, great defense, great bullpen, some good starts here and there and a shaky offense over 162 or whatever they're playing. You don't think that that's that's a recipe for staying in contention? I just, you know, not over a full season. Now, if we're talking last year when we got a 60-game sprint, that might be something else. But, you know, I think everything kind of reveals itself in time uh, with a 162-game season. And so, you know, do I expect the guys other than France and Hanniger to struggle the whole year? Probably not. Do I expect the bullpen to be lights out all year? Um, Probably not either. I mean, I think that's a – that's a really big expectation there. I think they have the right guys lined up there, and I think they're going to be better more often than not. But, you know, the rotation, you know, I think we're going to see Logan Gilbert up here um, at some point, and he's going to make a lot of starts in the first and second half of the year. So uh, the Paxton injury really hurt them, Mitch. But, you know, I think they've been able to cover for it nicely. And to be honest, I think for the fan base, it's nice to watch a team that's winning more often than not. Let's circle back to some of the things that you've already mentioned uh i like to start with the positive
positive, if I can, the positives. Mitch Haniger, at least I'm surprised that he got up and running so quickly. He's been great since the beginning, hitting in the leadoff spot. And Ty France, you told us about Ty France, and uh, he's been everything that we thought he would be. He could hit. You know, and he learned from one of the best, uh, Tony Gwynn, who was his college coach at San Diego State, you know, before Tony passed away. And uh, Ty's hit everywhere he's been, and it's part of the reason the Mariners have been trying to get him from the Padres for about the last three seasons. They were finally able to do that last year. They've plugged him into that number two hole. You've seen him DH. You've seen him play in the infield some. But I tell you what, those two guys back-to-back, pretty marvelous. I look at Sunday's game against the Red Sox, and those guys went double-double right out of the chute. So, um, you know, it's been good. But, yeah, Haniger looks like, in many ways, the same Mitch Haniger we saw in 2018 and when he had that fabulous year and made the all-star team. I don't know what it ends up looking like over the course of a full season, but um, it looks like he hasn't skipped a beat. Middle of the year, where does Ty France play every day? If we assume that Kelnick is coming, maybe not immediately, but is certainly coming this year to the outfield, does France just settle in at second base? Probably he's going to see some time at second. Um, he could actually play some first base pretty well, too, um, and maybe some third base to give Kyle Seeger a day off now and then. But I think his future defensive position is sort of yet to be determined. Okay. It's probably easier or I would say easiest to slide him in or envision him as your everyday second baseman in 2022 and beyond. But certainly it's going to depend on what the rest of the roster looks like and who's going to be the DH. You know, I'm sure you've noticed the last few days or so they've gotten a lot of mileage out of Sam Haggerty. They have. Uh, A nice bench piece who's a switch hitter, probably their best base runner, fastest runner, can play some left field. I think we're going to see quite a bit of him moving forward. So until Kelnick comes up and joins the team I think uh, they've sort of got themselves covered in the outfield with you know with Hanniger and Wright Lewis and center and Haggerty is it is his arrival delayed because of what you just mentioned no no I think they just want to continue to get him time in the minor leagues you know they've already passed the threshold of gaining that extra year of club control so really he could join them at any time and I don't know if the Mariners feel it's important for him to play in minor league games Uh, but we also have to remember and just so the listeners know Mitch you know the minor league season this year doesn't start until May 6th so that's creeping up maybe Jared Kelnick gets in a handful of minor league games before we see him up here but um, for the time being uh, the Mariners are sort of (laughs) they're making this whole thing work Um, it's not smoke and mirrors certainly because I think they have some good players and certainly the performances through the first 20 or so games have been pretty good. Corey's Kyle Seeger normally hits 100 in April. So his 240s and near the league lead in RBIs, it, it feels like the Nesty plunge to me for April. Um, does he ultimately need to move out of the third spot and hit fifth or sixth in the lineup for the Mariners? Yeah, well, you, Mitch, you might have noticed I wrote that Kyle Seeger was hot in April story before he had the average cooled <laughs> a little bit. But, um, but you know what? He's been fabulous with runners in uh, scoring position this year. And, you know, he's not over the hill. I think if you look at his age, I don't know, he's 32, 33, takes good care of his body, um, is still a very productive hitter. We saw the big day he had in Saturday, on Saturday at Fenway Park. Yeah, maybe eventually he slides down there. But, you know, I also look at it like 
who's going to eventually take that spot? And I don't know. Maybe when Kelnick comes up, he fits best in the two-hole. You slide France down to three, maybe Lewis. But I, I like Seeger where he's at now because what he's getting is a lot of guys on base ahead of him, and he's driving those runs in. So for now, it works. In okay. the future, we'll see. All right, the flip side, Dylan Moore, uh, Taylor Trammell, the two catchers, Evan White, None of them are hitting. You can focus on any one or the bunch. I, I know the Evan White thing is problematic because we just went through a year where he didn't hit much, at least for average, and now he's off to a slow start in the second season. He's got that contract. What do we think about Evan White? Well, you know, still a very fabulous defender. I know we don't talk about his defense enough, but yeah, I think I still think the bat can be productive, Mitch, and I don't think maybe it's a 250 bat you know, with 14 home runs uh, when this is all said and done. Uh, he's been a little bit unlucky on balls in play, not as nearly as much as Dylan Moore, who certainly has struggled, but his ba- I looked it up the other day. His batting average on balls in play was something like 146, which shows that he has just been terribly unlucky on balls that he's put in the field uh, that haven't been turned into hits. So uh, I, I would expect that would normalize with a bigger sample size. But, yeah, those are all concerns. The same with the catchers. Uh, they, they need to get – it can't just be two guys or three guys carrying this offense. That's completely unsustainable. You need different people at different parts of the lineup on different nights to help out. Okay, on the mound, Corey. If I had told you that the M's would get off to the start that they have record-wise and Marco Gonzalez would have a six-plus ERA, you would have committed me to the closest asylum, correct? Yes, but yeah, <laughs> only for that reason, though. <laughs> uh, we, we can count on him bouncing back. Kikuchi's had a tough start to the season. What about the starting rotation? Dunn and Sheffield have had flashes of success. Where are you on that? Yeah, I'm not so much concerned with the with the rotation other than trying to cover for the Paxson loss. I think if you look at Marco's four starts, his last two have been really good. Far more first pitch strikes. Um, he's challenging hitters inside, and it, just his mix of pitches has worked better. You know, so some guys just aren't that sharp coming out of spring training, and maybe that was the case for him. I, I still think Kikuchi will be fine. Justin Dunn, for me, is the real interesting one, Mitch. His stuff is can be dynamite at times, or he could just walk the house. So you're never quite sure what you're getting, but I think he's starting to figure it out a little bit. Sheffield, I think he'll be fine. And maybe the guy we're not talking nearly enough about it's Chris Flexen, the, the yeah, free agent yeah. they signed from Terrific. Korea. Yeah, yeah, he's been great. He tamed the Red Sox on Saturday, I guess, at Fenway Park, and his yep. stuff was good. Yeah, and like I said, you know, you bring Logan Gilbert up here at some point, and the rotation looks uh, doesn't look so bad, especially if you these guys are going every sixth day and getting an extra day of rest. Who's going to win the race to the Mariners, Gilbert or Kelnick? Oh man, I'm I'm going to say Kelnick. I'm okay. going to say Kelnick because. They've maintained from the start that they want to see Logan Gilbert start in the minor leagues, get some innings. But I think both of them are here definitely in the first half of the season. Okay. And finally, the bullpen, which you mentioned. I'm embarrassed to tell you, Corey, that I hardly know anybody in that bullpen. When they started the season, I looked, I mean, I know Graveman, but I didn't know any of the names. And yet it's been one of the best bullpens in all of Major League Baseball. He's always been pretty good, Jerry Depoto has. 
uh, at building a bullpen out of some names that you might not recognize. Yeah, and don't feel bad, Mitch. I think a lot of people don't know who these guys are. But, you know, it's an interesting mix of guys. Uh, they, they certainly recognized at the end of last season they had to shore up the bullpen. And so they went out and they got Keenan Middleton from the Angels, assigned him as a free agent, traded for Rafael Montero, brought back Kendall Graveman, which I thought was a really smart move. And then, you know, you have a non-roster guy in there and Drew Steckenrider. This Anthony Masevich hasn't allowed a run this year. He's a left-hander. And then kind of a fun story, Will Vest, a former light-hitting college shortstop who converted to a pitcher that who they picked in the Rule 5 draft from the Tigers. So they have some guys that can miss some bats. They can mix and match at the end of the game. Uh, I think they have three guys with more than two saves at this point. So it, it's working, and it, it looks like a group that can be that can hold their own over the course of a season. I don't know if they're going to have a 2-5 ERA the entire year out of the bullpen as they do now, but I still think it could be a really good unit, and really it's going to have to be. Corey Brock of The Athletic. I'm a subscriber. I love The Athletic. I love what Corey does. Joining us here on Mitch Unfiltered, always kind to us. Thank you, Corey. It's great to visit with you. Let's do it again in a few weeks or a month, okay? That sounds good. Let's catch up again. Hey, it's time for a visit with Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. Hey, Dan. Hey, Mitch. Things seem to be moving in the right direction for you guys at Zeke's. You're expanding both in dining room capacity and locations. Yeah, I got to tell you, it feels good to have some normalcy coming back. I think everybody's experiencing it, not just at Zeke's. I actually got stuck in traffic the other day. It actually felt good. Uh, <laughs> there's people out and about, and that includes at Zeke's in the dining rooms. And it's, um, you know, it's just fun to have people back in, in our dining rooms and just being out. And the new locations coming where? Yeah, so we mentioned Bellingham. Uh, we're on track for late spring, early summer there. We're really excited about that one. Yep. Uh, we've also mentioned stuff like Seward Park, Mount Lake Terrace, White Center, Burien. So those are those are all in the pipeline and, uh, and more coming even after that. All right, so what's the Black family having delivered to their door these days in terms of pizza and beer? Yeah, <laughs> last time you asked me this, I got in trouble because <laughs> I went right into how the whole family was drinking Hot Tropic. So for the record, Georgia is not drinking Hot Tropic. But uh, the whole family's eating Cherry Bomb pizza. That's that's one of our classics, and it's, it's a fave out there, and it's definitely one of the Black family's uh, favorites. Uh, and then the beer right now is Moon Booter IPA. We brew it together with Old School House Brewery out of Winthrop and it's it's just a really tasty West Coast IPA that you can you can drink a lot of or just sip it if you want but it's it's really good. How's uh, the delivery arm of the business doing Dan? It's good it's still strong it's uh, as people dine out more there's uh, slightly less delivery and takeout but what we make up for both in sales and then just excitement of having people back is totally worth it. Download the Zeke's Pizza app and have Zeke's to your door in no time. Zeke's Pizza homegrown in the Northwest. Lindsey Schwartz is back with us. He's the CEO of Daniel's Broiler, of course. And I'd imagine, Lindsey, that with expanding dining room capacities, vaccines, you guys should be seeing some forward momentum these last few weeks and months at Daniel's Broiler. We are for sure. It's been a crazy year, obviously. But uh, over the past several months, every week we get a little bit busier. And uh, now that we can seat up to 50% capacity and tables of 10, we've got pretty much every available seat full every night. So you have Les Shy, South Lake Union, and the Bellevue locations open. Tell me a little bit about what that's meant to your business, the expanded capacity in the dining rooms. 
Well, you know, we still have the six foot rule. And so at 50% now, it's about as many tables as we could concede and still keeping them six feet apart. So it's about as much business as we'll be able to do until there's a, another significant change. But it's good. You know, we, we're fortunate that we have pretty big footprints in our locations and we're able to seat a lot of people. And remember, we have outdoor seating at all three locations as well. So um, uh, we got a good amount of seats available. Nice. Takeout and delivery on the rise at Daniel's Broiler as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one of the one of the nice things that's come out of all this is we've really, really seen a huge upswing in our delivery to go business. And, and even as we get more people back inside, the delivery takeout continues to be really, really solid. So we think that's a really a new piece of business for us that's here to stay. And uh, it just gives people more options. We all love special occasions at Daniel's Broiler. And before you know it, Mother's Day will be here, Lindsay. Yeah, that's one of the biggest days of the year, one of the biggest weekends of the year. It's really nice that we now can do groups of up to 10. And as you said, more people are getting vaccinated. And for people who want to come out and have a larger group, a group up to 10, we can now accommodate that. So we're really excited. And just in time for Mother's Day, it's going to be a really great day. Fantastic. Always been a great partner of mine, both in the radio days and now with Mitch Unfiltered. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. All righty, episode 139. Hotshot Scott, the other stuff. You got any other stuff? I do. You're not the only one vaccinated on this cockamamie podcast. How about that? Huh? 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 What this guy. One. Just one, yeah. Yeah, but it's a start. I hope you didn't have Fokker. What, what's that? I hope you didn't have Fokker, the nurse that I told <laughs> oh, you about yeah, no. on 138P. It hurt the I'm next still day. hurting. <laughs> no, it, Fokker. Oh, I honestly didn't even Fred really. Fred Flintstone? I no. Didn't, I, I didn't feel it really when he did it. I was nervous. That's what everybody says. I, I hate needles, and I was like, oh, oh that was it? Okay. Everybody says you don't feel it. Yeah. Except for me. I, yeah, you're the only one. This is Mitch in the morning, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so I'm good. Extra long needle, please. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you've got the first, what'd you get, Pfizer? Or would you get Moderna? Moderna. So you're four weeks away or three weeks away? I think three. Then, then you got I, Pfizer. No, it says Moderna on the little card. I don't well, know. Then you should be four weeks away. Okay. Maybe, I don't know. I have my I next appointment. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. even know I had an appointment until my wife told me to go. Did That's, she tell you to go to the, get a haircut too on the, on the way back? Does it look like I have a haircut? <laughs> no, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> All right. You see this, this article this guy wrote, this Disney World guy who's outraged. Okay. He's no. a self-described longtime fan of Walt Disney World. He penned an op-ed blasting the company for making changes to popular attractions in the name of wokeness. He's not a fan. He says, I'm strongly rethinking our commitment to Disney and thus Orlando. He's a Nevada resident. He, he wrote this in a commentary. He's basically pissed off that they, they've changed some of the rides to, ah. to kind of update it. Yeah. You know. Because he's a sentimental fool. Yes. He likes, it's a small world the way it used to be. It's a small world. My favorite ride. My yeah. dad's favorite ride. Yeah. And in the past, employees couldn't have any visible tattoos and facial hair could oh. be no longer than one inch. Like Disney oh. had all these rules, but oh. now they're, okay. they're starting to relax them a little so bit. So Delilah could never work at Disney. <laughs> no, well, she'd have to cover them up. And he says, I'm not traveling across the country and paying thousands of dollars to watch someone I do not know express themselves. And I'm thinking this whole time as I'm reading this, I am so jealous of this guy. First of all, I wish I gave a shit about anything like, like this guy does. I, I just don't. I'm not passionate about anything like this guy. And I'm jealous that this is, this is his big problem in life. 
Like, it, this is it for him? This is all he cares about is Disney World changing some rides just to, so they're not so outdated? This is what he gives a shit about? Anyway, I thought it was funny that he, this guy is pretty, so... Pretty good life. Pretty good life, he's, yes. Yeah. He's outraged. Yeah. yeah. Lori yeah. the receptionist. Yeah, exactly That's right. That's who he is. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. If I told you, by the way, that a, a an NFL player has set a new Guinness Book World Record of catching a ball from 600 feet from a helicopter... <laughs> Would you be able to take a guess at who you think would be just dorky and goofy enough to do that? Yeah. I, I know who it is, but I, I would have guessed him on in the, the first, first three. Guess. Yeah, yeah. First three? Yeah, at least first three. Okay, who would he have gone besides Gronk, and it's Gronk, at an Arizona spring game? Yeah. He caught a well. It took him three attempts. It did. He caught a ball from 600 feet dropped from a helicopter. Had you said to me, who do you think did that? <laughs> I, I wouldn't even been able to come up with a name other than Gronk. <laughs> Antonio Brown, maybe. He seems a little out there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Gronk. It's yeah. totally Gronk. Yeah. Totally Gronk. It's awesome, though. Yeah. It was. It's yeah. pretty. Now, did you see the video? I'm I sure did. Yeah. I saw the video. Yeah. It was kind of cool how he did it at his alumni yeah, at the a, spring a, game. A, annual spring game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they all ran towards him. He was and, in his 48, his, his Arizona jersey with shoulder pads, with pads. He came out yeah, all yeah. decked out in his old, his old garb. Now, do you think it's a little weak that he basket caught it and didn't use his hands? Or no? 600 feet. <laughs> I know, but do he, I need to get Albert Einstein on Unfiltered to tell you about the uh, gravity, or is it he not gravity? Uh, He's he, the theory of relativity. Yes, now. he was. Who's yes, gravity? That would be Newton. Oh, Newton, yeah. Yes. Do I need to get Newton? <laughs> yes, call him up. <laughs> Maybe I need to go back yeah, to East exactly. State. God. Where's, where's my degree from Syracuse? Newton. Yeah. Do I need to get Newton on to tell you how hard it might be to catch how hard how fast that ball is traveling at 600 feet? I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, but I want to see him catch it with his hands. I mean, can't anyone just cradle a ball, just make anyone? a cradle? I don't know. He dropped the first two. Yeah, he did. No, okay. it, it, I, I need some help on this. I yeah. swear I watched a competition in the 80s where NFL receivers were catching balls from a helicopter and Steve Largent was in it. I don't think he won it. Now, I need a listener to, to yeah, tell that, me I'm not that's, crazy. That's, that does not ring a bell for it me. It doesn't. Okay. No. I need no. a listener to go, I completely no, know what you're talking about. I was listening to Barry Manilow or something. <laughs> right. had a special that night. <laughs> See, I was watching sports as a kid. You weren't. <laughs> I won't. Are you excited for Elon Musk hosting SNL? I, I did read that, yeah. It's kind of a weird choice. When is it? The weekend of May 8th. The musical guest will be Miley Cyrus, who I feel oh. like is on all the time. But yeah. um, I'm really curious to see how he does. Not a lot of tech people have hosted like you don't see Zuckerberg hosting right I'm looking forward to uh, that's a little different I'll watch yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll be interested on the monologue how they'll help him out with it they'll probably help him out by having people come out you know how they do that with certain guests on the monologue yeah they come out and they do a number people interrupt the monologue some of the to kind of help, help it along I've got big news for you you know that you taught me about airdrop you once told me <laughs> I had never heard of airdrop I didn't know what airdrop was yeah yeah you once told me that you were like at the airport or something or on a subway and you just started airdropping pictures to people. Yeah, and the, the train at SeaTac. You know the train if you have yeah, to go like yeah. the, the end gates or yeah, whatever. Sure, the yeah. S, the N, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just started sending pictures of what? Do you remember? Well, I had a picture of Dan Marino because I sent it to you, I think, for something. And so I just, it was like the first one I saw. Yeah, I just started airdropping so people. So people on the- Looking down at their phones and Dan Marino just pops up. I don't know they why. They don't I, know where it came from? No clue. And which is the best it part. It doesn't say where it comes from? It doesn't, but- Hardly sure, does he give you your number. No, hardly anyone has their airdrop on anymore. I've noticed it's starting to go way down. Okay, well, let me tell you what, maybe a reason why. Okay. Have you ever heard of Mashable.com or Mashable? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Researchers, according to Mashable, say that they've alerted Apple of flaw exposures oh. to airdrop. It turns out that there's a flaw in airdrop 
that exposes users' emails and phone numbers. Oh boy! To people they are airdropping. Oh no! Dan Marino too. Great. <laughs> No wonder I get so many damn spam calls. That's probably why. Apparently, there's a problem with airdrop. Oh, and boy. If you airdrop somebody, they, they will have access somehow to your phone. That's why I'm asking you if those people now know where you live and who you are. And yeah, maybe. Which Starbucks Piper goes to right. and all that stuff. Yeah, now I'm yeah, freaked out. Thank you for that. Yeah, nice. There you, there you go. You might have the story because I think you tweeted about the University District Punk Rock Bar. Yes. Pretty crazy, right? Yes, it's called Kraken. Kraken something? Yeah, they're, they're suing the Kraken, the hockey team, for yeah. $3.5 million, alleging the NHL expansion team's name choice and plans to open a Northgate Mall practice facility restaurants risks irre- irreparably harming What's its the brand. name of the place? Uh, it is Kraken Bar and Lounge, founded Where is it? in 2011. Yeah. It's in Capitol Hill. And it's a punk... Uh, no, University District. It's a, a punk rock bar, right? Yep, punk like rock bar. a little bar. dive. They call it a little dive. Yep, that's right. And they're not happy because... The Kraken are now putting a restaurant bar in the practice facility that Mick McHugh from FX McCrory's is going to manage and run, I guess. You're right, yep. And so there's going to be a, a lawsuit. What do you think about that? Well, they were pissed that patrons were coming into the punk rock bar in their hockey gear. <laughs> well, why, why would you be pissed if, if they order something? Yeah, I guess, but yeah. they're probably not. They're like, wait, I thought this was like a restaurant, and then they leave. It's probably just annoying. Well, they've probably been annoyed ever since the name came out. The Kraken. Well, yeah, they, they said they've, they've tolerated bit their, they it. They bit their lip That's on right. that. Yep. Or bit their tongue, I guess, is the, the appropriate phrase. Yeah, Who was it, tongue. Newton or Einstein? Uh, I got one for you. <laughs> Washington State is now officially ranked seventh. Washington State, I don't mean Washington State University. Washington State is ranked seventh. Would you like to know what the poll is? Like most livable state. The seventh most catfished state in the United States. $15 it? million dollars this last year. Uh, somehow wasted by catfishers. There's more catfishing going on in Washington State than every other state except for six. I'm a little surprised by They're that. They're high in the rankings. We're a big catfish state. I'm a little... So I don't know how to look at that. There's the more gullible people... I'll, in- kinda, I'll read you the article. The article says this. It says, COVID-19... This is from Christine Claridge of the Seattle Times. COVID-19 forced more people to get all their social needs met online and created an unprecedented opportunities for scammers uh-huh. to prey on isolated and lonely Washingtonians who lost at least 15 million, 14.8, to romance scammers in 2020. I, I, don't, I guess I don't know what... Ca- I thought I knew what catfishing was, but I don't know. How do they get money out of you? So you'll have to explain that to me. But $15 million were scammed by catfishers. That makes Washington the seventh most catfish state in the union, hmm. according to a new study uh, by Social Catfish, an anti-scammer of information site, which reported a record-breaking $304 million in the United States lost from romance scams. Yeah, lots That of number is up 50% from 2019, showing that the rate of romance scams has increased significantly because of the coronavirus. So I think I know what catfishing is. Okay. How do they get money out of you? How does that work? Well, you just say, yeah, someone yeah. thinks that they're dating you and you just say, I need a couple hundred I want, bucks for I want my, a ring, buy me some clothes. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's oftentimes my, I'd, I would like to FaceTime with you, but my phone doesn't work. I need a new phone. Oh, that that's a big one. My phone's oh. broken. And this, this PayPal love, me or yeah, yeah. Venmo me a few Western bucks. Union or something. Really? Yeah. This, um, this, so if you're a lovesick person, do you really think you have this relationship? You wow. want to FaceTime with them and you're, yeah, people are doling out money left and right. In fact, yeah. I just read a story about a Japanese man. He was arrested after reportedly dating more than 35 women at the same time. You're thinking, 
arrested. Is it okay to date I people? But I think a 34 is okay. But not- <laughs> yeah, right. So he's being investigated for allegedly defrauding dozens of women by pretending he was serious about each of their relationships and receiving hundreds of dollars worth of gifts from each of them. He was apparently caught when they all kind of came together and started comparing notes. I don't know how they met, but it was kind of brilliant what he did. He gave every one of the 35-year-old women a different birthday. That He told them all he had a different birthday. So he's getting different birthday gifts from 35 women all on different days. Why can't he just <laughs> give them all the same day <laughs> yeah, well, and get the 35 gifts so he doesn't have to remember which day he gave which woman? But what if they want to go to dinner? What is celebrate your oh, birthday. That's that, going to be a problem. See, I'm a good catfisher. <laughs> I know this. So in total, he received about oh, $1,000 worth of gifts from the women, wow. including a $300 suit. <laughs> wow. God, what a Atlantic joke. City, New Jersey. Talk about a no-brainer. Hot shot, a typographical error in a betting line on a Cleveland Browns-Kansas City Chiefs playoff game last year in January led to a $10,500 windfall for nine eagle-eyed bettors. Oh, boy. The error was revealed last week by the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement, which fined BetMGM.com 500 bucks. I wonder if they can come up <laughs> yeah, with money. Can they cover that? <laughs> for failing to properly display the odds on a betting market. So here's what happened. It involved the January 17th playoff game between the Browns and the Chiefs. Specifically, a so-called proposition or player prop bet on the game performance by the two quarterbacks, Cleveland's Baker Mayfield and Kansas City's Patrick Mahomes. In such bets, gamblers wager on whether a particular player or group of players will exceed a certain statistical benchmark or fall short. An over-under, essentially. In documents released by the state, it was revealed that BetMGM intended to offer bets on whether Mayfield and Mahomes would each pass for 300 or more yards in the game, okay? Okay. But due to a manual error in posting the bet, the three was dropped from 300. So the question was, <laughs> would, they, would they throw for more than zero, zero yards nice. <laughs> in the game? If either quarterback completed one pass for yeah. one yard, <laughs> the betters win, and nine customers jumped all over it. And they were not sweating they, it out, were they? Before they were able to change it back to 300. I, for some reason, I love it. I don't know why I love it. Even though somebody's getting defrauded, when, uh, it, when it comes to gambling, they defraud people every day. So that's why I listen. Sort of. Yeah, in a yeah. way. I mean, you know. They're the man. You like it when the man gets beat. Yeah. I mean, and it was their mistake. <clears throat> Yeah, it wasn't like somebody else's mistake. It was their mistake. The question is... They offered a bet with zero, zero yards. It's like one time I went to Nordstrom to get some underpants, and uh, (laughs) I took them them to the... Why the sniffle? I don't know. I I took them to the, the front counter, and she rang it up, and it was one penny. For, and it's usually like 28 bucks or something for a couple pairs of boxers. Yeah. And she did. She ran it up. It was one penny. Yeah. And she's like, well, it happens sometimes, so you know, I got to honor well, it. Well, it, it actually brings up a conversation that we've had in the Levy household a lot, and even lately. About my underpants? Not about your oh, underpants. Okay. Um, <laughs> about um, going to a restaurant and getting the bill and finding that something has not, you haven't been charged. They forgot to put something on the bill. Oh, yeah. First of all, I'm somebody who doesn't... I, I always look at the bill and look at the itemized. I guess a lot of people don't. They just pay it, whatever. I always look at it. And my thing has always been... I guess, I guess I got this from my dad or whatever. If I see that they haven't charged me for something, I always bring it up. I do too. Yep. I always say, hey, you forgot to charge me for this. Yep. Or you forgot to charge me for that. It's the right thing to do. I, I guess it is. Especially for the server who's probably not rolling in the money and then that makes the bill go up so you tip well you know it's, yeah, 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 it, yeah it trickles down and I, people like i know my, my wife is thrilled for me to do it but i mean people uh, people have said to me for years they made a mistake 
take the mistake and whatever. And, and the truth is, is that you know this if you do this, that most of the time when you say you forgot to charge me for my drink, they'll just say kind of out of embarrassment, ah, it's fine. I, yeah, that's right. A, a lot of times they'll take it and they'll charge you, but sometimes they'll just say, hey, it's on me, whatever. Oftentimes, whatever. yes. Now, Brett Levy, my, my soon-to-be 16-year-old, believes, I do not believe this, that we have a responsibility to notify them if they've forgotten to charge us something. It's not an option. He doesn't believe that there's an option. Dad, it's stealing. He, he thinks that we have a response, not a moral obligation, an absolute, like, he believes that we have a responsibility to call them out on it. And if we don't, we're at fault, not them. I don't. I believe that if we pay that check, if I don't look down and check those those numbers yeah. and, those, and the, the entries, and I just pay it, I don't believe I've done anything wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah. He does. If, okay. He well, thinks you got to pay, you got to tell him. You got to find it and tell him, even though it's their mistake. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. I'm, I, but if somebody gives you the wrong change back, I don't look at that as some kind of windfall. Like I just always tell them, like you gave me too much oh, back. Yeah. I, I just, never, I just, I can't. I don't I remember the last way. time I gave ca- the change. I don't even know what change is. Yeah, but like when you use cash in the past, you know. Yeah, I don't remember doing that. I have, Did I ever do that? My my wife's friend. I, I probably shouldn't even tell this, but <laughs> her and her husband went to go get some new suits. He's, I think he. Well, I don't want to say what he does, but he bought like eight new suits at like Macy's or something. Really? And it nice. was like I don't know. It was like um like twenty weatherman. <laughs> no um but it was like you know twenty five hundred dollars it was supposed to be but they made yeah. a mistake and it charged him 250 like a zero oh, yeah. wasn't on there oh and they thought it was like the greatest day of their life like they didn't say anything like we just got 10 suits for 250 bucks or whatever it was what kind of a suit does this guy wear 25 dollars suit yeah i don't know what it, i probably have it right maybe it was five thousand no no i'm saying 25 oh. as it turns out they paid 25 yeah, exactly yeah 25 dollars suits right <laughs> yeah but they, they look do better than that they looked at it like it was the greatest day of so their they, life they didn't never never didn't. said a thing yeah well to each their own i guess i just i don't know for some i'm not even a big karma guy it just feels wrong i don't know, it just feels wrong even though macy's i'm sure will be fine or a big department store they're not going to miss it but it's just i don't know I'm not, I'm not trying to get up on Mount Pius here, but I just I have to say something. It okay. bothers me. Okay. Here's a headline I thought I would never see. Yes. Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor yes. of California, yes. and yes. the Kardashians yes. won't campaign for yes. her. God, what? What's happening? So, yeah. So, I don't know if you know that they're, they're trying to recall Gavin Newsom. There's a yeah. petition about yeah. the movement's gained some real steam in the wake of the pandemic. Yeah. People are not, well, you know, you're always going to piss off half the people. And anyway, so, yeah. The this car- isn't the story, is it? This is not the story, no. Okay. But the, the, I was wondering whether you're going, whether you're going to some one-liners after this. But no, go ahead. The Kardashians will not be campaigning for Caitlyn Jenner. If this anyone would cares. not have been a difficult one for you to use as the story. You know that. Uh, yeah, maybe twenty years ago, I would have hit this with some <laughs> jokes. But I'm going to go ahead and Charles Barkley would have hit this one. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Yeah. All right, you got any more? Uh, I uh, just an RIP. Do you have any RIPs? I do, but I'm, you probably have the same one I have, so I'll let you do that one. Real quick, Paul Stanley, lead singer of Kiss, had an estate sale. He did? He's demolishing his mansion in Beverly Hills. He's the star? He's the star man. This is the star, star child. Star with a one eye? That's exactly right. And then you had Ace Freely, and you had your, got your Peter Freely Chris. Freely was the spaceman. You got the Peter Chris Peter with like Chris the mouse. The cat. The cat. The cat. Or, yeah, yes, yeah. close. <laughs> what was Gene Simmons? Well, Gene Simmons was the tongue, right? Yeah, he's the demon. Demon, demon. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So everything must go. I love that he's blowing down his Beverly Hills house. It's just not nice enough, this home in Beverly Hills. Blowing it down and building a new one. Could you ever do a patron show on them? Uh, Yeah, I could. Well, I could, but they weren't really hit makers. I know, but their story is interesting. Yeah, again, it's it's because it's four of them, it would be a lot of okay. work. That's yeah. why I kind of focus yeah. on one person for the most part. Yeah. But yeah, I could do like Gene okay. Simmons or Paul. Gene Simmons actually has a really cool upbringing, a really cool life. So maybe one day. 
Okay. Yeah, but he's not a hit machine or anything. So, right. uh, a woman. Enough? No. This this one this I got this Michigan woman. She fell asleep. She woke up around one a.m. and realized her she left a contact in or her oh. contacts. Did you hear yeah. this story? No. So she woke up. She's in a bit of a you know tired haze. She reaches over to her purse to get some some eye drops right to take the contact out. But she also carries in her purse a little bottle of nail glue when she breaks a nail. This isn't true. And so she, she put the nail glue into the eye. Well, she she she. Re, she this isn't true. <laughs> she realized what she this did. Is not true. And then what the little drop was in, and she realized it. So then she smeared it to try to get it off. Oh! But it sealed now her. The, eye, the eyes closed. The eyes sealed shut. She went to the sink to put water on it. Oh, no. for God's it's like sake. a nightmare having your eyes sealed <laughs> shut, right? So her husband luckily was home, took her to the hospital, took and they her were pliers. And somehow the the doctors worked their magic and got her eye open, but they had to take all her eyelashes oh, off. And all oh, that. I know, awful. All right, you're the R.I.P. is Terrence Clark, probably the one that you have. I'll let you do that. I'm I don't have much more to say except that I'm heartbroken. Nineteen-year-old University I'm of Kentucky. Absolutely heartbroken. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know him. I don't know of him, really. I probably I probably have seen him play and not realized it because I watch college basketball. But to hear uh, to hear a 19-year-old preparing for the NBA draft, he left Kentucky after one year, named Terrence Clark, is killed, even though, yes, he was going 80 or 85 miles an hour in a 40-mile-an-hour zone, and he ran a red light, mm. and he hit an oncoming car, and then he spun out of control, and he was not wearing a seatbelt, oh. which I... I didn't know that there was anybody left that doesn't wear a seatbelt. You told me when I walk when you walked in, there are people that yeah. still don't wear seatbelts. I know one for sure, yeah. Really? That just nah. never wear on. And it's weird because doesn't that noise that, get yeah, to you? I was gonna say the bell. God. The bell. If nothing I'll drive else, myself crazy. I know. Shut up. I don't like seatbelts either, but the noise. I am at when you hear about a nineteen year old boy. Oh, 19. oh God. Right. Yeah, he's gonna be a two thousand twenty one draft, that. you know, prospect. So, yeah, well, lottery pick. Yeah. I'm very, very sad about that. Yeah, so, awful. That's it for me. Another RIP, Gregory Edward Jacobs, a.k.a. Shock G, a.k.a. Humpty, passed away at age 57. He was the lead singer for the hip-hop group Digital Underground. You have to know the song Humpty Dance. If I Humpty hear it, Humpty Dance, here's your chance to <laughs> the hump. <laughs> Do me, baby. Nothing? All right. If you hear uh, that song, you can't not like it, the Humpty okay. Dance. Okay. And he, he was, died. Yeah, he, he passed away at 57, but he was so cool because when he came out, he had a big fake nose, big glasses, and like ill-fitting clothes. He was he was sort of making fun of himself. It was like an alter ego. He didn't take himself yeah. very serious, so it was, yeah. uh, he was a really cool, but... Digital Underground actually hired a guy named Tupac Shakur oh. to do back backup dancing and backup. So he's oh. a, Tupac, a young Tupac, is in a Digital Underground video, and he sort of helped Tupac get what, his start. What happened, Fifty Seven? Uh, it's unclear. They don't know what happened. His dad found him in a hotel room. So uh, oh. as of this recording, I don't know what happened. But by the way, just for the record, these glasses and this nose, not fake. <laughs> as, as fake as they look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he uh, had a fake one and it looked a little smaller. Okay. Anyway, oh, thank uh, you. yeah, thank you for that. No, but he, he like went on to produce Just songs a little for for Dre, Prince, KRS-One. He was you know he, he was someone who touched a lot of people, even though he had kind of a short short rap career. All right, here's my final one. And okay, a 13 year old boy from South China's Guangdong province had to undergo surgery to remove a 27 inch long electric wire he inserted into his urethra after becoming curious about where urine comes from. 
The wire became entangled inside his bladder on, for over Scott. three months. You hit me with the nail polish stuff, and now you're hitting me with this. <laughs> three this months. Terrible. All right, he suffered. Um, you're leaving me in pain. Well, he was. These shows are not supposed to be painful. <laughs> he was suffering frequent, urgent, and painful urination. You can understand the guy why. From Sacramento was going to be pissed. Yeah, oh, he's already tuned out a long time ago. The shock G stuff. He's out. Eventually, he was sent to a local hospital to get the wire removed through surgery. And according to the doctor, the electric wire was originally black, but after being in his body for so long, it was covered with urine, dirt, and turned a grayish color. That's how long it was sitting in his bladder, yeah. It would have further damaged the boy's urethra and bladder if it stayed inside his body any longer, the doctor said. Experts said that kids normally grow curious. This is kind of a PSA. Kids normally grow curious about where their sex organs, about their sex organs from the age of five, and parents should give proper sex education. If your kid wants to know where urine com- comes from, tell him! Please don't let him experiment with a wire, okay? Yes. This, I mean, it really is yes. a PSA for people who don't want to have the talk I with their young kids. I told my kids early, urine comes from the stork. <laughs> That's right. That's great parenting, yes. Um, I personally don't think it's the kid's fault. After all, everyone's wired a little differently. But his parents did say that he's now grounded. <laughs> people love making jokes about how tough Chuck Norris is, you know? But I'm nominating this team as the new toughest person. 27 inches and he kept going? I mean, holy crap. I'm complaining about my arm hurting from COVID and this kid's doing that. All right. Finally, I hope the poor kid's parents. I hope the poor kid's parents have since explained where number two comes from. God knows what he's capable of doing. Oh, Jesus. There you go. And the show has think, reached a new low. I, I think I think it's become very much appropriate that we end episode 139 by repeating the following paragraph. I just don't get it. Is there something that I'm missing? Do your sponsors insist that you veer away from sports? There must be a reasonable explanation. Josh from Fife, now living in Sacramento. I don't have an explanation. Episode 139, ladies and gentlemen. Like it or not, I guess you'll like it because it's ending. Your favorite part of the show. <laughs>